Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation changes? When you work with Edward Jones, they focus on what's important to you. You'll work together and use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And they'll partner with you to help your strategy stay on track. Visit edwardjones.com or stop by the office of Todd Nash in Coralville, Jeff Rudolph, or Scott McGill in Iowa City, or Travis Whitmore in North Liberty. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. This portion of the show, hawkfanatic.com, brought to you by Patrick Eads and his staff on Mormon Trek at Deary Brothers Ford Lincoln, Steve Anderson, Hawkeye Title and Settlement, Mike's Lock, and E-Keys for Cars. GT Cars, great crew at Supel Siding and Remodeling. Supel's Flowers, the home of 1-800-800-ROWS. Hertine and Stocker Jewelers, 101 South Dubuque Street. Downtown Iowa City, Premier Automotive in North Liberty, the Oxyoke Inn in the Amanas, Players Sports Bar and Grill, downtown Iowa City, and Dr. Lance Forbes, where I will be making an appearance tomorrow afternoon, Diamond Dental in Cedar Rapids. Well, is it a paid appearance? Oh, yeah. For him. I've, yeah, I'm paying him. <laughs> From, uh, here's uh, Tom Suter from hawkfanatic.com. Pat Hardy, along with Coach Don Patterson. Coach Patterson, good morning, and I hope you had a wonderful Christmas. Good morning, Tom. It was um, a good time to be had. We had all of Lisa's family here with us. There's not very many of us, but we certainly enjoyed the holidays. Oh, excellent. Well, we did too, and the the weather a bit uh, non-Christmas-like, but... It was humid. (laughs) It really was was very strange. It was humid on Christmas. And we had Mexican food Christmas Eve. Never done it before. I bet it was good over at my neighbor's. Yeah, no, it was it was a lot. Three different kinds of tacos. Yeah, it was it was different. I mean, usually turkey, ham. You yeah, know, the, that's what we know, did. This was different, and it was good. I mean, we had street tacos. Yeah, and no, uh, it was really good. So, all right, well, Don, um, let's let's talk football. Enough with Christmas. Christmas is over, right, Tom? Christmas is over. Three hundred and sixty-three days till Christmas, Coach, and only five days till the Citrus Bowl. Sure. I mean, Don, I'm um, looking at this matchup. I haven't – I'm going to start looking at Kentucky a lot more. But, you know, they won nine games to do that in the SEC. I mean, just your thoughts on Kentucky to begin with. And do you see from what you've seen of Kentucky, do you see a little with what Mark Stoops does? I'm just curious. Do you see a little Hayden Fry in what Mark does? You know, I see um, – um, I think Mark reminds me in some ways of Kirk. Okay. I think- uh, you've heard me make the comment that Kirk will react to any and all situations, but he won't overreact, uh, as some people do. And I see Mark as being that way. He's, he's very uh, even-tempered, uh, unlike unlike Mike. You might remember that Mike was more of a hothead. No. So Mark is more like Bobby. Yeah, okay. Mark is more like Bobby. He's, he's very, very logical with his thinking. They play sound fundamental football. Uh, they don't beat themselves very often at all. Um, the defense a lot of the time um, has their eyes on the ball, you know, more zone concepts as we play than, than man concepts. And um, it's produced good results, of course. It's a 
excuse me, as you know, it's a tough league. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's interesting to know. As you know, Kentucky's known as a basketball school. Marks a record over nine years. Is is now fifty eight and fifty three, and it's not easy to have a winning record in the SEC because there are a lot of good teams uh, to compete against. Uh, over the last six years, he's exactly five hundred in conference. He's twenty five and twenty five, and and for that five hundred record, they've extended his contract through twenty twenty eight. So they want him to be their coach for years to come and. I think he's done a good job uh, of that. They haven't beaten themselves very much at all. So if you, when you look at them athletic-wise, are they more athletic than a typical Big Ten team, or is there too much made of that? How would you say describe them athletically? Well, I think maybe they're, they're more athletic than the average Big Ten team. Okay. Uh, what's amazing about them, as you probably know, Pat, they've, they've actually um, been really strong in a lot of areas, but one of the most critical areas uh, especially over the first half of the season, they were surprisingly weak. Terrible. And that particular parameter is turnover yeah. margin. Yeah. Uh, what's amazing about them, they actually were minus on turnovers in each of their first four games, and yet somehow they won them all. Well, that's pretty amazing when you think about it. I don't have the information in front of me, but I believe they were plus nine after four games. I'm sorry, they were minus, minus nine, nine. Yeah. after four, four games, and yet they won all four of them. Um, so that, that's amazing. Uh, that was Louisiana Monroe, Missouri, Tennessee, Chattanooga, and South Carolina. And in a couple of those games, they were actually minus three and won the game. That's, that's hard incredible. to do, but they did it. That, uh, yeah, let's see. That'll yeah, be walking Louisiana a tightrope against South Iowa. Carolina. I'm sorry. That'll be really risky and walking a tightrope against this Iowa team. I think. I mean, I just. I mean, that just seems like something you push it too much, it's going to come back and eventually get you. Yeah, one team was plus four against them, and and logically they won. That team was Mississippi State. Okay. Uh, But Monroe and Louisiana Monroe and South Carolina were both plus three and yet failed to beat them. Um, So, you know, my recommendation uh, to our football staff is, and you should win big on turnover margin, just law of averages says we're going to be plus two. Mm-hmm. And I say that because we were plus 13 on the season in 13 games. That's plus one per game. And at the same time, they were minus 13 in their 12 games. So uh, law of averages says we're going to be plus two. Uh, I mentioned to, the, to Kirk, I said, here's the bad news. Plus two may not be good enough to beat them uh, because there were teams that were plus three even that failed to beat them. And, uh, and the reason is kind of obvious, I think. Uh, you know, my recommendation, uh, and South Carolina is the, the perfect example. South Carolina was plus three and yet failed to beat them. Uh, but then when you when you look at both Louisiana Monroe and the South Carolina games, if you look at the top 15 parameters, obviously both, both those opponents won on turnovers, but they didn't win very many other parameters out of those top 15. I think they won four and five. Mm-hmm out of 15 parameters. So I do think that if we if we win on turnovers, and we should win by plus two on average, uh, plus three would make me feel better, of course. But even plus two, we have a good chance to, to beat them, as you would expect to hear. And then win at least half of the other top 14 parameters. And I say that because uh, in the Big Ten, I cut off the, the parameters that matter the most. I cut it off at, at 15, the top 15 parameters. And... Uh, 
And of course, the thing I don't know, because I haven't done the same extensive study of the of the of the, the SEC, I don't know that in the SEC those would be the top 15 parameters. I doubt that they would be. Certainly, and I'll give you an example of why I say that. There is one particular parameter that will remain nameless, because I do not want the Kentucky fans to know what it is. It wouldn't bother me if our fans knew, but I don't think there's any way for our fans to know. Uh, without Kentucky's fans finding out, because some fans, of course, have more of a neutral opinion on the game. But there is one particular parameter that all three opponents that beat Kentucky, all three of them won the same parameter, only one, but there is one, and you can bet that Iowa football knows what it is because I'm certainly not going to keep that information to myself. So, um, uh, and the reason I bring it up, that parameter is not in the top 15 in the Big Ten yet, it does have a huge effect. I'll even mention this to you in that regard. This one parameter, if you won the parameter, you won 10 out of 11 games. There was only one tie, but the winning team won won that parameter 10 out of 11. And, of course, that means Kentucky won that parameter a lot. Let me count up here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They won it seven times, uh, and the opponent won it five times. And um, I'm sorry, four times. Yeah, four times. There was one tie. So the opponent won it four times, and three of those four times, the opponent also won the game. The only exception being South Carolina. South Carolina won big on turnovers, plus three. They also won this this other most significant parameter, and yet somehow they still lost the game. And that kind of defies logic, except that for the fact, as I mentioned, they did not win very many of the top 15 parameters. South Carolina, I can quickly tell you, they won one, two, three. They only won three of the top 15. So that leaves Kentucky with winning 12 of them. Uh, I'm sorry, winning 11 of them, because they also, South Carolina also won turnover margin, as I mentioned. So you've got you've to win on turnovers, that's for sure. And then beyond that, uh, it'd be nice if you could win the majority of the top 15 parameters. But then to really blow your mind, uh, it would help to win this other parameter that in the Big Ten is ranked number 20 or 21, I think. I'm not sure exactly where it's ranked. I'm, well, I've probably confused you a lot by now talking about all this. <laughs> but the good news is there is, there is, a, there is a, secret, a secret weapon in winning. And the, and the Iowa football team knows what it is. The only question, of course, can they win that parameter that does matter so much? Tom, do you think you know what it um, is? So. Uh-uh. Well, Don, um, I don't. What about running? What about running? Are you the, entirely confused? No, no. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to guess what it could be. There could be so many different yeah. things. But how important is running the ball going to be? Running the ball holds up pretty well. I don't mind telling you that. It's not obviously it's not the secret parameter that I'm not going to. Divulge, but but uh, the team that that outrushed the opponent, they won nine out of twelve games. Okay. And um, in the case of Georgia, Mississippi State, and Tennessee, those are of course the three teams that beat them. Uh, two of those three teams did also outrush them. Georgia outrushed them. Mississippi State outrushed them. Kentucky out actually outrushed Tennessee. Uh, but you might recall that was a one-score game. It was a game that could have gone either way. 45-42, as I recall. Mm-hmm. So, uh, outrushing the opponent does correlate well to winning. And yet, Tennessee, Chattanooga outrushed them and lost. 
Florida outrushed them and lost. So, um, and then the other exception to the rule was Kentucky actually outrushing Tennessee, and then Kentucky managing to lose. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't 100. percent Here's what's really what will really blow your mind: the team that won on turnovers only won three out of eight games. That means there were four ties, of course, and um, and obviously there were there were any number of teams that had an edge on turnovers against Kentucky and yet still lost the game. I've already mentioned those first four opponents all had an edge on turnovers and all four lost the game. And then in game 11, New Mexico State had an edge on turnovers and and also lost the game. I'd still like for us to have an edge on turnovers, but it doesn't guarantee a win. That's what's unusual about mm-hmm. Kentucky. So uh, Here's another thing for, for our fans to be aware of. Uh, they started off horribly on turnover margin. They were minus nine, as I recall, after four games. And then over the over the back second half of the season, they were much more even on turnover margin. It wasn't, in other words, they corrected some of their problems in turning over the ball. And um, for that reason, it's going to be difficult. I said, law of averages says we're going to be plus two on turnovers. Well, if we win on turnovers, it'll be the it'll be the first time. In recent games, that Kentucky lost on turnovers. Kentucky actually beat uh, Louisville on turnovers. That was one of the few games they won on turnovers, and yet there were four games in there that were even. Uh, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt, they were all even on turnovers. So it's not the usual uh, uh, magic fix for winning football games. It is in the Big Ten. As you know, the Big Ten, if you win on turnovers, you Almost invariably won the game. Not true for Kentucky. Uh, you beat them on turnovers, you still may lose to them. So, Don, because how of other things they do well? So, how's, how? Sorry, go ahead. How significant do you think the loss of Goodson will be? Well, it's a concern. I'll tell you why it's a concern. Um, um, it's um, it's not easy to outrush. Kentucky, uh, think of it this way, and here's another way to look at the game. I looked at all the different statistical categories, us versus Kentucky, just head-to-head, and wondered who would who would win the majority of those. Uh, just to give you an example, rush offense. As you know, we, we haven't been very good in rush offense. Uh, after the regular season has ended, now we've played 13 games, so the Michigan game is included. We're ranked 111th in rush offense. Kentucky is 23rd. They rush for 206 on average. We rush for a little less than 120. 119.8. So on average, they're going to outrush us 85, 86 yards. Mm-hmm. That's a concern. Yeah. Um, uh, there were, there were. I looked at the top 26. Some, some um, NCAA stats. They don't even, they don't even chart some of the stuff they chart. Uh, so that's kind of a frustration because you don't necessarily identify the ones that are. The most important, but I, I will say this: after I looked at the top 26 uh, categories that are carried by the NCAA stats, and I went strictly off the NCAA stats. And you've heard me say those stats don't necessarily reflect the, the most logical way to to figure um, statistical comparisons. I'll give you an example. You've heard me talk about this even red zone offense. Uh, they simply ask the question: When you get in the red zone, did you score points? And, and the answer for red zone success is simply, did you score or not? Uh, this will be a concern for your red zone offense. We ended up being ranked 100, right now we're ranked 121st in red zone scoring success. Yes. 
Uh, and that simply means we've gotten into the red zone far more than most teams and failed to score. Uh, and at the same time, Kentucky's red zone offense is ranked 66th. Uh, and here's another distressing part about efficiency in the red zone. Um, 30% of our scores are field goals in the red zone. Now, that's a concern because only 10% of their scores are field goals. That leaves 90% of their scores that are touchdowns. Um, so that's um, – I'm sorry, that's not true. This, let me say it this way. And I don't have the numbers in front of me, but as I recall, they were in the, I know they were, they were in the red zone 50 times this year. They scored 42 times in the red zone out of 50. That's 84%. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we were a little less than 73%. And we didn't get into the red zone as often as they did either. And if we were in the red zone, it was more likely to be, it was three times as likely to be a field goal, to be a field goal on our part okay. as it was to be a field goal on their part. Does that all make sense to you? Oh, yeah. It no, does. Yeah, those are. So, you know how. Yeah, you know how I figure red zone scoring success. Yes. You heard me talk about yep. it. It's points per opportunity. Yep. And I could have done it that way for both of, both us in Kentucky. The only problem with that is I would have had to do it for all the other teams in between us and Kentucky mm-hmm. to get some idea of where we write uh, on an NCAA basis on 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 points per opportunity. So the simple thing to do is just take the NCAA number. I do know what that is. Red zone offense, we were 72.7%. That is 121 out of 130. And it's not because they were all touchdowns. As you've already heard me say, uh, too many of them were field goals. We had 30% of our total opportunities that were field goals mm-hmm. versus only 10% for theirs. So, and, and their numbers, I remember what they were. They had 50, 50 opportunities in the red zone. They scored on 42 of them. And only five of those 42 scores were field goals. Mm-hmm. So in almost all cases, they were touchdowns. That's a concern because they, the fact that they run the ball well gives them a little better chance to win in the red zone than us. You might say more than a little mm-hmm. better chance because Rush offense, we're ranked to 111th, they're ranked 23rd. So, so Don, are you under a the more balanced team than we are? Are you under the assu- are you under the assumption that Petrus is going to start? Yes, I, I mean, would expect him to start. Yes, I mean I, I would too. I mean I I don't really think there's even any question and do you think i mean i and i say that partly because i just think that's what kirk's going to do but i believe that petrus deserves to start as much or more than i mean just your thoughts on the quarter because there's so much conversation you know there's this assumption that whoever doesn't get the starting job the other one's gone because that's what happens with quarterbacks in the portal and there's this narrative that joey lavis is really the guy they like and but i've been around long enough to where lots of times it's the guy that's not going to play that's the guy they like because you know you won't be proven wrong anytime soon just your thoughts going into this, this the whole quarterback derby going into this game yeah i would hope that that it's been a um a fair competition um in this bowl preparation, of course, we've had more than just one week to practice. We've had a couple of weeks to practice, uh, actually, slightly more than a couple of actually practicing. But during exam week, of course, you don't practice very much. And then when exams are done, you practice. And then, you, of course, you go to the bowl site and you, you play the game. Hopefully, we don't have any COVID issues. We haven't discussed that yet. But but hopefully, um, hopefully, both quarterbacks have gotten a good, sound preparation for the game. And I say that because... Uh, let me just give you an example. 
uh, sacks allowed. This won't shock you either. Looking at all of our games and all of their games, sacks allowed. How many times has Kentucky's quarterback been sacked? Kind of what you'd expect because he's a more mobile quarterback. They've only been sacked 1.5 times per game. That ranks 23rd among fewest sacks. At the same time, we're ranked 87th on sacks. We've allowed almost, in round numbers, maybe allowed one and a half per game. We've allowed two and a half per game. The actual number is 2.46, but that, that rounded up, rounded up. of course, that would be two and a half. Mm-hmm. So on average, we're going to get sacked once more per game. And on average, they also sack the opponent half a time more than we did. So just crunching those numbers and combining all four of those numbers, I say it this way, the odds of them um, having an edge on sacks are good. Uh, on average, they're about 1.5 sacks per game, better than we are. In other words, they sack the opponent more than we do, and we give up more sacks than they do. So that's a combination that works against us. And you might say, is it that big a deal if they have an edge of one or two on sacks? I would say yes. In a close game, it is a big deal because you've heard me say before that if you sack a quarterback on any possession, that typically is indicative of the end of that possession. Obviously, if you sack them on third down, they're almost invariably going to punt the ball on fourth down. The only exception would be it's the only chance to win the game is to convert on fourth down. Even if it's fourth and 20, of course, they're going to go for it Mm -hmm. at that point. But typically, a sack puts you into extra long yardage. Uh, and if it's third down, of course, it's almost invari- almost inevitable that you're going to punt them next down. So, uh, even if you're sacked on early downs, you know, first and 10 turns into second and 15. But second and 15 is not easy to deal with because you got two plays to gain 15 yards. The opponent knows it. Uh, there's a lot of different ways you can play it. But one way you see it when you're looking at third and extra long is they they force you to dump the ball off by dropping a lot of people. And then they simply react up and tackle you. You gain yards, you gain in field position, but you're nowhere near the first down marker either. Mm-hmm. You know, third and fifteen turns into fourth and five. So Don, if, Pe- if Petrus is playing well, not great or anything, but let's say he's he's doing a solid job, do you expect Padilla not to play? Do you think they're going in thinking they're going to use both quarters? What's your thoughts on that? I mean, there's so much discussion about they got to use both. And with Kentucky's ability to get sacks, Padilla being more mobile, would you be surprised if both quarterbacks played? Well, you've heard me say before, one one uh, thought outside the box in, in dealing with game situations, uh, and we've talked about it over the course of this season, it's kind of obvious if we get the third and extra long with our offense – and the other team is able to tee off on our offensive tackles. And, and of course, we've had uh, difficulty dealing with some of the contained rushes that we face on our schedule. Uh, obviously, uh, one, uh, one thought outside the box would be on third and extra long, um, put Padilla in just for that one down, simply because he's got better escapability than Spencer. Uh, and now Q draw is a possibility for your for your offensive play call. And the reason Q draw could come in handy, you've heard me say before, one way to defend people on third and extra long is to go with what we call two cover two man. That'd be man coverage against those five receivers and two two high safeties playing in behind. Effectively you're kind of doubling all the receivers. You can still rush four to be able to do that of course. Uh, the only question is can you get pressure on a on a mobile quarterback by rushing four? 
Well, you know, you know, you can get, you have a better chance to get pressure on Spencer rushing four than you do maybe versus Padilla. Uh, for starters, of course, you're you're a little better served on on average to to run Padilla with a quarterback draw than you are Spencer, uh, simply because Spencer has. Uh, but he has a better chance to gain those 15 yards. If it's third and 15, he has a better chance to gain those 15 yards. Maybe the more realistic, but third and 10, is a better chance on Kudrow to gain 10 yards than, than Spencer does. Um, so, not to mention, he's less likely to be sacked. You know, maybe he simply, maybe he gets pressured just like Spencer would have gotten pressure on that same snap. But maybe he buys time to the point that he actually makes a completion. Maybe he breaks contain out of the pocket. Maybe he simply has a better chance to throw the ball away. And and again, you know, being sacked from minus ten is not nearly as good as throwing the ball away and punting it from ten yards further down the field. You know, playing that field position game that we're pretty darn good at playing. Mm-hmm. So, so I know that's a convoluted answer, but but um, I, I, to answer your question, Pat, directly. I don't think you're likely to see Padilla at all. I'm just basing on what I know about the coaches. If Spencer's playing a good, solid game, which is entirely possible, he's done that any number of times, you might not see Padilla a single snap mm-hmm. in the That's entire course of the game. Yeah. I'm not sure they're going to selectively substitute him. That's what I'm saying. I Even see what you mean. Yeah. As I've already yeah. mentioned, it does make some sense to do it. So you don't see them scripting in Padilla series regardless of what's happening on the field? You know, and I don't either. I did. That's no, I just. just go ahead. Yeah, that's kind of against. That's kind of against our nature. Whether mm-hmm. it's Kirk's decision making or, or uh, Kenny's decision making or Brian's decision making, we haven't shown any, any um, pattern at all to to play two quarterbacks compared to teams like Purdue that mm-hmm. routinely play to, mm-hmm. right? Plummer played actually against just about everybody on Purdue's schedule. They would selectively put him in the game. Uh, he was clearly more likely to run the ball than O'Connell. Uh, and you could say the same thing would apply to, to Padilla. If we were selectively substituting him, they would say, okay, we, we better think twice about playing two-man because in, in cover two-man, of course, nobody's manned up on the quarterback. And that's the reason that, that a quarterback draw versus two-man is a is a, a better opportunity for the, for you to hit a, a gain of 10 yards or more on that on that that fictitious third down and long we're talking about. Well, Coach, you've looked at Kentucky, you've researched Kentucky. If you were Brian Ferentz in this game, would you have seen some tendencies that you can exploit certain plays that might work better than others? Well, I, I will say this. Kentucky, let's just talk about the, the basics behind the matchups. Uh, here's the good news. Uh, I think we do have an edge in the kicking game. Not a huge edge, because I think they're pretty solid, too. I'll give you a specific example, a stat stat that you're very familiar with, net punting. You would probably suspect that we have a decided edge in net punting, and the truth of it is we do not. Net punting, we're 33rd in the country. Kentucky's 38th. (laughs) And you might say, I'm surprised we're only 33rd. Uh, This is NCAA again. Here's how NCAA gets uh, defines net punting, and this is the right way to do it. Uh, you might say, well, shoot, our punter's so good, I'm pretty sure his average is, is uh, not just the same as the Kentucky punter. I'm pretty sure that, that our guy, that, that Taylor, has a better average, and I don't doubt that. I honestly don't even know what Kentucky's average is for their punter, 
Uh, the reason they don't know is because the more important stat is net punting, because net punting reflects, of course, how well you cover punts. And that's another reason I thought we'd have an edge is because Charlie's above average as a punt returner, um, and uh, they haven't been as successful returning punts as we have. But believe it or not, they're just barely behind us. We're 41.01 yards per punt. They're 40.77 yards per punt. It's, it's, it's more or less a push. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you why. Uh, and here's how the NCAA figures net punting, and this is the right way to do it. Uh, you might say, well, shoot, how, how is our net punting so even if we have the better punt returner, if we cover punts better than they do, how is net punting even? And all I can tell you is this. We had 11 touchbacks on our punts, and and uh, when the ball goes into the end zone, imagine we're punting from midfield. And as you know, so often we we are able to down the ball inside the 10. That's one of the things that Tory does very well, and our cover units do well, is we kill the ball inside the 10, and of course that makes it hard for the opposing team to get off the goal line. But here's the bad news. The truth of it is we had 11 touchbacks this year. That means 11 times the ball was punted. We were not able to kill it inside the 10. The ball actually went into the end zone. And now even though we punted from the 50, the net on the punt is only 30 yards mm-hmm. because the ball comes back out to the 20. So that's one reason that net punting is not as good as you would expect it to be. It's because those 11, uh, those 11 touchbacks, of course, total 220 yards of field position. Uh, rather than down the ball right down on the one-inch line, the ball has to come back out to the 20. So that's a, a net punt of only 30 yards rather than the 50 yards that the ball. The ball, of course, when it went into the end zone, it actually traveled 50 yards from the line of scrimmage to the goal line. But the net punt is only 30 yards. No, that's a good point. Back. I've got Tory's line right. I mean, he's punted 76 times for 3,488 yards, 45.9 average, a long of 69, like you said, 11 touchbacks, 24 fair catches, 38 punts inside the 20, 25 punts of 50 or longer, and none of his punts were blocked. I thought one punt got blocked this year, didn't it? I guess it didn't. One was partially blocked, but here's the way they they rule it, I think. Statistically, if the ball goes beyond the line of scrimmage, they do not count it as a ball. Okay, Mm -hmm. okay. But, yeah, that's his numbers, and it it will be interesting to see – how the quarterback situation. I think that's one of the big storylines. You know, Don, we were talking before the show, the last time Iowa was in a bowl game two years ago, I mean, Brian Ferentz had what I think might be his best. I know the Ohio State game was what everybody points to, but to me that was a fluke, an anomaly. I think Brian did his best play calling against USC. They didn't get a ton of yards, but it just seemed like they kept USC off balance the whole game, and USC just could never figure out just how. Just talk about Brian Ferentz going into this game. I mean, what the role? I mean, he could real. I mean, fans are really on him right now. This is as bad as I've ever seen it for him. What would a good performance in the bowl game do for him going into the off season? Well, I think it, it's. Um, I think the the simple reason for Brian to have a good day and calling plays is because we're not going to win the game if he doesn't. I know. Good Say point. Good point. <laughs> Yeah, and so, but the good news, um, you know, Brian certainly knew against that Ohio State team because I do recall going into that game, uh, our coaches certainly had the mindset, uh, we have to take shots. We have to be more aggressive than we ever have been in calling plays. Otherwise, we're simply going to lose. We're not going to be able to play Ohio State 
and wait around for them to screw up because it's not going to happen to the extent that we need it to happen. And it doesn't mean that Ohio State wouldn't screw up in that game. It's just they did they on the first play. Capacity for big plays. It's <laughs> mm-hmm. not going to not going to swing the game your way. Uh, so we we went out with the attitude, what the hell? Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Let's take shots. Let's be more aggressive than we ever have been, and it paid off. It paid off handsomely. No, nobody beats Ohio State like that. Hardly anybody does. And yet that day it was a yawner for us, right? Mm-hmm. We beat them uh, by I don't know how many scores. It 55, was 28 or something. Fifty-five twenty-four. Yeah, it was a one. Yeah. So nobody saw that coming, and it, at the same time, nobody saw a decisive win over Southern Cal either. I remember our mentality going into that game because I, I remember having the same discussion. Uh, you know, we can't just show up and play close to the vest. we got no chance to beat them at that point. We have to throw caution. Not throw caution to the wind, but just be aggressive with our play calling. Uh-huh, and creative. We did it against Southern Cal. It paid off. They, they were off balance. They thought they had a good handle on our play calling. But uh, our play calling was atypical for that game. It was. You know, I remember I remember we got a lot of mileage out of Jet sweeps. fly sweeps, as I recall. We yep. ran reverses. We, yep. we were just aggressive with our play calling. We threw the ball more and, and threw it effectively. Uh, Southern Cal couldn't quite figure out what was going to happen next uh, defensively because we kept them off balance. And, of course, it, it helped a lot that our defense um, – was on the attack too, uh, not not to the extent that we've done it all day long, but just playing good sound football. And of mm-hmm. course, even if we're only rushing four, we're always playing line games up front where it's not easy to know which rush lanes those four guys are gonna are gonna be in. Of course, it um, helped that Keaton Slovis. Of course, yeah, we've also been known to to rush a linebacker and drop somebody that's normally a rush player. And that's good football too, because now you got an offensive tackle just standing there looking at the guy that's dropping. And, of course, now you've got a mismatch, maybe a linebacker versus a running back in terms of protection. And, and of course, that's that's another way to to be effective with only a four-man rush is what we call zone blitz, you know, to be able to bring a guy that normally normally drops and and um, and drop a guy that normally rushes. Iowa's first two touchdowns in that game were on jet sweeps with Tyrone Tracy and Amir Smith-Marset. I just remember just every time they call a play, I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't see that coming. And I don't say that very often when watching an Iowa football game. And, of course, you got to mention in the Holiday Bowl, Keaton Slobus getting hurt was also huge. a huge break for Iowa. Remember, Don, he was shredding the Iowa. Yeah, he, right. he was shredding the Iowa defense you're... in the second quarter when he got hurt. But that doesn't take away yeah, anything I... that Brian Ferentz has done. He had, a great, he had a great game, and I'm with you, Don. I think Brian needs to be – I'm not saying throw caution against, you know, and just start – going for it on fourth and 10 or whatever. But I think he's got to think outside the box a little bit, be a little more aggressive, try to figure out ways to get Kentucky off balance. And you're under this belief, Don, you don't believe some of this narrative out there that Kirk has a real tight hold on what Brian can do. You don't believe that, right? Or what is your thought? Because there's this narrative out there, and I'm not sure where I stand on this, that Brian can only do so much. And eventually his dad says, no, it's going to be done this way. What's your thoughts on that? You know, I don't believe that's I don't believe that's very true. It might be true to some extent. It's no secret, of course. Kirk has had good success through the years uh, with us not beating ourselves. You know, our defense on average year after year after year is above average. So if you if you simply protect the ball well, which is something we've done this year, uh, and generate turnovers with your defense, you have an edge on turnovers. And of course, in the Big Ten, as we already have mentioned, that contributes a lot to winning the game in any number of close games an edge of plus one even 
would be a difference in the game. Um, you know, and you have a lot of ball control teams in the Big Ten. We're one of them. Mm-hmm. But there are others, of course. Michigan, in so many ways, has been a ball control team this year. Uh, the exception to that rule was them coming out and hitting explosive plays against us in the championship game. But over the course of the season, uh, you know, they haven't been very aggressive with their play calling. They've run the ball well. They've played really good defense. It was kind of a traditional Michigan team. You heard me say before we played them, Bo Schembechler would like this Michigan team mm-hmm. because it would remind him a lot of his team. Yeah. Uh, and then for the championship game, of course, here they are coming out and chunking the ball around and running trick plays, and, and it had a lot to do with the outcome of the game because they had seven explosive plays that were worth 275 yards against us. And uh, otherwise, we did a good job of slowing them down, but but let's face it, it's seven plays contribute 275 yards uh, to the to the productivity of your offense, you're probably going to win that game because that's a lot of yards on seven plays. Yeah, they kind of um, so did. I do think. I do think. Uh, and, and now here's the here's the good news about Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky's mindset to win football games uh, is what you might say fairly conservative. They run the ball effectively, but here's the scary part. And, and of course, this is true for any team that runs the ball well. That would indicate, in in general, that the play-action passes are going to be effective. So even though they haven't run for a ton of yards, uh, let me just give you these numbers. Pass offense, we're 111th in the country. They're only 71st. They throw for 225 a game. We throw for 178 per game. But here's the rest of that story. Um, If you want to look at pass efficiency, pass efficiency on offense, We're only 117th in pass efficiency. We're not very efficient throwing the ball, in part because we don't establish the run as what we'd like to establish the run better, but we haven't been great at doing that. Kentucky's done a better job establishing the run. There's no shocker. They're better with their pass efficiency on offense. They're ranked 37th compared to our 117th. Their pass efficiency uh, is 149. Ours is not not quite 112. So they've been much more effective throwing the ball. To say it this way, I looked at, at all 26 categories. We won 13 of those, and Kentucky won 13. But here's the bad news. Let me talk about seven categories where one team had a big edge over the other. Well, uh, turnover margin is one of those. That's in our favor, of course. We're plus 13. They're minus 13. We're ranked third in, on the season. They're ranked 128. And again, there's only 130 teams. So there's only two teams behind them. Uh, and as you've heard me say already, the bad news is they protected the ball better over the second half of the season than they did in the early stages of the season. So it's not going to be easy to kill them on turnovers. We're going to try. Uh, historically, we protect well on offense. We generate turnovers on defense. That gives us a good chance to to win by a couple. I did hear a Kentucky fan that called in on a radio show that I was doing, and he said, I'm a big Kentucky fan, and I like Levis, but Levis, I have one complaint about Levis. He throws the ball too hard, and he throws it high sometimes, so it skips off our receiver's fingers, and it ends up in the hands of the other team. And I'm thinking, that sounds a little bit like Spencer. Uh, Because one of the things that Spencer's worked on over the course of the season is eliminating those high throws that are high velocity, because those are hard to control, as we discussed. And a chip pass typically is an interception. 
in so many cases. So, Donnie, having played Will Levis before, do you think that uh, gives us any kind of a leg up? Well, you'd like to think so. At least we have some idea of his capacity because uh, I did go back and look. You'll find this really interesting, I think, uh, in my in my quick uh, introduction to the team. Two of the key players are transfers, as you guys know, uh, transfers from the Big Ten. Uh, Will Levis's first mm-hmm. offer was actually from Iowa. We mm-hmm. liked him coming out of camp even. This, he was at our camp, as I understand it, remember, in the summer. Yep, I remember that. Uh, at least he worked. We worked some camp he was at. I believe it was the one right here in Iowa City. Uh, we actually offered him based on camp performance. We were the first Big Ten team to offer him, or maybe the first overall offer that he had. But we didn't get to sign him, of course. He went to Penn State, and I think that was closer to his home, as I recall, than, than we were. Um, but here's the rest of the story. I went back and looked just to be sure I was correct. My recall was right. He did actually start against us mm-hmm. in the Penn State game. Mm-hmm. As you know, we beat him 41 to 21. I was I looked specifically at exactly how he played, and when he was replaced, he was replaced in the third quarter, and he was replaced after fumbling for a third time in the game. Yeah, he did not now, play statistically, well. Now statistically, they were statistically they were uh, all blamed on him. What I don't know because I didn't go back and look at the video. I didn't have access to the video. But two of those fumbles, I believe, the way they were written up, they appeared to be strip sacks. In other words, he was trying to pass. Uh, somebody got a hit on him or somebody got their hand on the ball. The ball came out. We recovered. Mm. We recovered those first two fumbles. The third fumble was a run. I don't know if it was a called run. I suspect it was probably a called run because they did run him with the ball. As you know, he's a good runner. Uh, but he fumbled a third time in that third quarter. That time they fell on the ball. And um, and and punted the ball away to us, uh, but when he was replaced, the score was thirty-one to seven. Yeah, he did not uh, play when, well. When when um, Clifford came in the game, and just so you know, it was twenty-four to seven at the half. So the damage had already been done. This, we scored twenty-one points in the second quarter last year. He was very inaccurate. So twenty-four to seven. I'm sorry. He was just very inaccurate. I remember the game. He just did not play well. I mean, he just he. I mean, he didn't well, wait. Here's the other part that'll shock you. Here's the part that will shock you, Pat. Your recall might be that he was inaccurate. The truth of it is he threw 13 for 16. In that game. Yeah, but most of them were – I mean, they no, just didn't – I just I remember the game. I covered it. They just didn't move up and down the field. No, they didn't. Most of them were short passes on the run. I mean, he was – he just wasn't able to get the downfield passing. They got – the running game wasn't going, and it just – it was a mess. I mean, sometimes stats can be misleading because yeah, – I mean, how many yards yeah, did he have? The from our standpoint, he's got no fine memories of playing Iowa. You know, he's got no fond memories of that because it was a long day for him. Now, uh, I did mention he was 13 for 16, but here's the good news for for Iowa. Those 16 pass attempts only generated 106 yards. Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of dump, uh, pa- a lot of dump mm-hmm. routes, a lot of screen pass. I remember a lot of short ones. To, they couldn't do anything downfield. Part of the problem Iowa's had at times when it struggles in games, the offense just it wasn't dynamic at all. And then he started to try to run because he is strong and, and, and somewhat elusive, and that just backfired too because, like you said, Don, they got him in the pocket, they pressured him, and it just was it was not a good – that was one of the worst Penn State teams I recall. I mean, they were just not very good that day. Yeah. I, I do think if you go back and look, I'm pretty sure I remember these numbers right. I remember for sure he was 13 for 16 for 106. Um, no interceptions, as I recall. Uh, but those fumbles, of course, were just as painful for an offense. Uh, and the rest of the story is that I believe in terms of rush attempts, 
I believe statistically he was something like nine carries for 34 yards. Yeah. But I'm sure there were probably two or three sacks in there. So I do think I do recall looking at the individual play-by-play for the game. He had some double-digit runs. He had he had some 11-yard runs, 12-yard runs. Oh, he can run. I can't remember yeah. the exact numbers. Yeah, no, he can run. Uh, so he did have some productive running plays. I suspect that they were either two draws or maybe zone reads. You know what I mean by zone yeah. reads. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll be that'll be part of their offense, I'm sure. Uh, and it gives you a better chance to block a front if you assign an edge rusher to the quarterback. That's how you. That's mm-hmm. what zone reads all about. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're preparing to hand the ball off to the back, but you're reading the end man of the line of scrimmage. If he closes hard on the ball, on the ball carrier, uh, assuming you're going to give the ball to the back, then your job, of course, is to keep the ball and run outside of that defender that you're reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's part of the. That's part of their offense too. Uh, they'll run some zone rig with Levis because he's a good runner. Above average is a runner, and but some of those nine carries, I'm sure, were simply him running for. Oh, his they run. were. I mean, they there were ton, a lot of them were a lot of them were him scrambling from the pocket. And like I said again, not like he was accurate as far as completions, but most of the throws he threw that day were simple throws. He didn't. He couldn't get any seam routes downfield. And you know how Iowa plays defense, Don. They'll give you some stuff in front. They're not going to let you. And they just were no threat at all downfield and it turned out to be Correct. a bunch a bunch of dump routes and then him Correct. running it's, it's part of the frustration that i have at times with our own yes offense. exactly uh, you know spence one thing you'll give spencer credit for is he does a good job protecting the ball yeah um the, the negative of that is sometimes he passes up opportunities that are down the field in favor of a safer throw and uh, of course if you dump the ball it's it's a, it goes down as another completion but if it's second and ten and you gain three yards by dumping the ball, then that's not a productive play. No, and that's a lot that's of what Levis like did that because, day. Yeah, so it, it happens to us some, in, in part because Spencer's careful with the ball. Uh, and I'm not. there's a lot to be said for being careful, of course, especially if you can generate turnovers against the other team's offense. That's one, one good way to beat them is to have a big edge on turnover margin. Uh, but I don't know. Um, I don't know that that – Against Kentucky, that alone may not get it done. You've heard me say already a couple of teams were plus three and lost mm-hmm. uh, against them. So uh, I, I mentioned this specifically to Kirk. I said, statistically, you should be plus two for the game. Here's the bad news. Plus two may not be enough. Mm-hmm. You may need to be plus three or four. Well, hopefully they try to, to go to your win. But if you're. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, hopefully they try to go downfield some with Keegan Johnson. They've had they will have had what three weeks to prepare for this game. Hopefully they will try to be aggressive. I'm not really worried about Will Levis as a throw uh, as a passer as a guy who's gonna maybe all shred us for 300 yards. I could see him completing a but, but like I said, I think he's better at safer routes. He's kind of like Spencer, just a much better runner. I'm more worried about Will Levis. Yeah running on broken plays third and seven he gets eight that's yeah. what worries me more than him yeah, completing yeah. a pass for 10 yards on third and eight you're right now that, that brings up another point here's another player that we haven't discussed we've discussed Levis a lot but we haven't discussed Wondell Robinson the Nebraska transfer mm-hmm. yes. you guys know very good he's a very dangerous he's a little bit like the little guy from Purdue a year ago yeah Rondell Moore. Rondell Moore not quite as explosive yeah he's a little bit like that uh, just to give you an example, 94 catches this year. That is a school record. 1,164 yards, seven touchdowns, and also he ran the ball seven times for another 111 yards. What a season. Thanks. So he is a he is a guy you better target. 
uh, and you better you better be able to slow him down. One reason their pass efficiency is good, you heard me talk about how good the pass efficiency is, some of those are safe throws to Robinson that he turned into a big play. And there was another receiver, what's his name, Ali, I think it's pronounced. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's, gonna, he's missing the game, as I understand it. Uh, he's also a dangerous receiver. So, But just looking strictly at Robinson, a lot of those balls are short throws to Robinson that turned into big gainers. Yes. Uh, now, the good news for us, we're pretty darn good at keeping the ball in front of us and eliminating those big plays. And that's part of the game, of course, is being able to target Robinson. I will say this, when he's in the slot, it's not easy to double him. When he's an outside receiver, there's uh, a pretty easy way to double him, of course. That's simply to roll the corner up over him and have somebody in behind the corner. Uh, I would hope we would have a plan to do some of that if, if one day the outside receiver. When he's inside, it's hard to, hard to double. And there are ways to do it, but we won't get into those. We're talking about specific combo coverages that have you bracketing an inside receiver. Uh, the only negative with that gets a little bit complicated. Uh, we might not choose to go that route. And it also makes you vulnerable somewhere else. Uh, if he's just turned us up as a slot receiver, I would like to think we would combo him at mm-hmm. some point. Mm-hmm. And, and as we do that, we better be prepared for them to be smart enough to go elsewhere. Uh, but obviously, uh, it would take a, a few snaps for them to figure out what we were doing, maybe. And by then, maybe we control him as we need to. Uh, but we better target Wendell Robinson because, uh, and if, if he's got the ball in space, we just got to be sure to, to be under control. I always coach our guys if, um, if a guy's uh, really affected with change of direction. As a runner, you better you better um, be under control and trying to tackle him because if you just go flying in there, he's just going to make you miss. Sure. So you got to break down. If he's under control, you got to come under control. If that makes sense to you. Oh yeah, no. As a tackler, yep. you got to you got to fire your feet. Don't don't go in there trying for a home run hit because you're probably going to miss entirely. Uh, you know, just get under control and and just just get him to the ground. It doesn't have to be a, a hard hit. We just got to get him to the ground. And that means don't get juked out of your shoes. And of course, Robinson's capable of doing that to you. So, Don, before we wrap up, we got—I think we, you brought it up earlier. We need to talk of COVID a little bit. I know some people are probably rolling mm-hmm. their eyes now, but it's out there. Five games. Five have been games canceled. have been affected. It's, and they, when they cancel them, boom, they just happen. I mean, and I think I read where teams had arrived at the destination for all but one of those games. So, I mean, I'm getting more convinced that the games, but we're still five days away. How concerned are you about COVID? Not whether it's going to make players sick, because I don't think it will, but it doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. If they get it, the games could be canceled, whether they're sick or not. Yeah, I don't know. Is it, it, the reason these games are canceled, here's a question that you guys maybe can answer. Is that because of some kind of NCAA mandate for the bowl game, or is that just a bowl game decision? That I don't know specifically, don't know. but every cancel I've had has been because of positive COVID on at least one of the teams. Yes. So um, or I, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not a decision on the part of the of the bowl. The oh, bowl I think what itself. happens maybe is that simply a decision on the part of one of the teams. And I think when the teams. I, I, well, I think what it comes down to is do they have enough available players at certain positions? And I think that's yeah. – but I'm not sure exactly what the exact rules are, but it's not like these are getting canceled because they don't have workers to work. It's because positive tests from on of players and staff members. And position groups and position, getting wiped out. And positions getting – from what I've been reading. That's and So how concerned – I mean, these yeah. Iowa players are not going to be hiding under their bed in their hotel room. They're going to be out and about as, well, the Kentucky players. I mean, the Kentucky basketball team, didn't they just have a game? They, they did. 
postponed yeah. because of COVID. Yeah, they did. I was aware of that. Here's a question I don't know the answer to, but it would seem that it would matter a lot. As you guys know, there's a, there's a thing called the Delta variant. That's the old variant on this. And now there's the new variant. Omicron. The Omicron variant. Well, the, the Omicron variant, to be honest with you, I would bet that most of the testing that comes back as positive tests on the football teams out there, it's probably the Omicron variant. I'm pretty sure they can tell what, what the variant is. And the reason I bring it up, the Omicron variant, probably the majority of the players testing positive don't even realize that they have it because it doesn't have uh, serious side effects. Mm-hmm. I agree. But, uh, but, they, you know, these tw- these but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Of course, they're, they're healthy. It doesn't matter, they're though, Don. They're healthier than the average person anyway. Yeah. But, Don, it doesn't matter. Age. It doesn't well, matter, though. My question is, I don't understand why it would be such a risk for those those healthy 20-somethings to get out there and play a football game. The reason I say that, the people that are at risk from all those football players that test positive are, are parents and grandparents. Well, and head coaches. Stay away from their parents and grandparents because those are the people that are more likely to be really adversely affected to the Omicron variant. Yeah, no, I I mean, like I said, I – Go ahead. You follow me? Young people typically don't even know they have it. No, I I do follow you, but what I'm saying is that doesn't matter under the current rules. I mean, if you're positive, you can't play. I mean that's and that's I mean that's yeah. what I mean I I get you I, I it doesn't sound like this Omicron is as serious now I guess some people would argue well okay those players are going to be around their sixty six year head sixty six year old head coach maybe he could get yeah I mean I it's something that nobody's going to agree on I, but it's out there five yeah. games have been canceled and I mean I'm getting yeah. to the point I'm eighty percent sure I think they're going to play this game but nothing would surprise me nothing would anything surprise yeah. you Don if you're driving down to Florida on Wednesday you find out the game's been canceled. No, it wouldn't shock me for that to happen. Uh, I do think, you know, talking about people that are at risk, obviously um, anybody, you've heard, you've heard this statement on TV any number of times, if you, if you want to not have to worry about uh, being in, infected with the coronavirus, then the simple solution is to right now to have your two original shots and your booster. If you have those three shots, the odds of you getting sick are pretty are actually very slim. That's right. Right. If you yes. if you've been vaccinated, so the people that are at risk are the people that have been hard headed and haven't been vaccinated. Correct. Right. Yes. But they can still. That's true. They can still uh, get it or. I think others. enough players can get it to cancel the game. Yeah, that that's the problem, and I'm with you. I mean, it's uh, I've got my booster, but I get I could still get. Sure. I could still get it, and I and I I. I think my biggest concern, and I hate critiquing science, but I think they're just too rigid on some of these, some of these decisions. But I get it too because eight hundred thousand people have died. I mean, yep. how do you, yep. how do you push the others? I mean, it's it's just a tough thing, man. I just, I just, I feel bad for the teams that lose their games. I hope these guys get to play. I hope I, I mean, selfishly, I don't want to fly down there and get stranded down in Florida with COVID. Well, you got another. You got another problem too. Is uh, when you say I don't want to fly, they're canceling a, a lot ton of flights. Of flights. Oh, I'm not even kidding. my flight tomorrow night at five fififteen could get canceled. Sure, yeah, it it's Delta. Sure, there's a good chance it could. Not a good. Sure. What do you think the odds of my flight getting canceled? Uh, I would say uh, thirty to forty percent. That's kind of what I was thinking. And there's no way. I don't know if I'll be able to get another one down there. In well, time. that's the. There's I mean, no flights available. I have a question for you, Pat. Are you lucky enough to be flying American? No, I'm flying Delta. Well, Delta's, I think Delta's had a lot of flights canceled. And, yes, they have. Uh, and yet Americans had hardly hardly any at all. The reason I know that is because 
my sister-in-law just flew back to Texas yesterday, and she wasn't too worried about it because she she was booked on American. Uh, and sure enough, American flew on time. And uh, I don't think Americans canceled hardly any flights versus other airlines that have canceled a lot of flights. Um, Southwest and Delta, I believe, to be two of the major ones to cancel. Uh, so who knows? We'll keep our fingers crossed. I think it's tragic. These guys, have worked, they've worked so hard in preparation for mm-hmm. the season, not to mention now in preparation for the bowl game. I'm talking about football players in general, not sure, just sure. Iowa. I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I really hope the guys have a chance to show what they can do because that's what they train for and that's what they live for is to compete uh, in the game of football and of course, we all we all thoroughly enjoy watching them do it. Um, there are three matchups that are going to be interesting to watch for this game, incidentally. And a couple of them we've touched on already. One is one Hill Robinson versus our secondary. Mm-hmm. I would say double when possible. Uh, if he's an outside receiver, we can double him some. If he's in the slot, we just have to be able to, to uh, come under control and tackle him in, in space when he gets the ball as a slot receiver. If it's thrown short, of course. We can react up in tackling. There is another interesting matchup. They're two best offensive linemen. Uh, their right tackle is an outstanding player. Uh, it's kind of interesting to me that he's the right tackle. Typically, your best pass protector is your left tackle. But some people are right-handed and feel a lot more comfortable on the right side versus left. His name is Darian Kennard. Uh, the reason I bring it up, uh, Joe Evans typically in passing situations, of course, has been effective. He's... Uh, He's been, I believe he's our sack leader with seven, as I recall. Mm-hmm. He's done it on uh, a lot fewer snaps than some of our other D linemen. The bad news, it's, if Joe lines up uh, on the offense's right side, he's going to be going against a very good pass protector. Kennard's only allowed one sack all season. Their center, incidentally, is their, their next best lineman. Uh, he's also an outstanding player. So that'll be an interesting matchup to see if we can make any hay at all versus the right tackle. I suspect that'll be a problem for Joe or anybody else that's rushing against him. Uh, and then another matchup that comes to mind, as you guys have already touched on, our running backs versus their front seven. Mm-hmm. Without Tyler, here's here's one um, challenge for us. We've got to effectively run the ball without Tyler Gibson. And, um, and it all starts with Ivory. Uh, Ivory's first challenge for this game is just to demonstrate my ball security is better exactly. than it's been all mm-hmm. my entire career. I'm determined not to cough the ball up. Uh, I suspect if he fumbles one time, oh. that'll probably be his last snap. Yep. You know, they're giving and, him a chance. And deservedly and I, so. I, yes. I, I'm, I'm really I'm excited about Ivory having a chance to be Me a too. running back. But he better not uh, put the I'm ball on the ground. Nervous, I'll admit. I'm a little nervous because his tendency is that he's a little more likely to cough it up. And you know Kentucky knows that. Sure they do. Kentucky knows that, Don. They're going to be grabbing for that ball when he carries it. So I'm, You're I'm, exactly right. You've heard me talk about that. Even if even if, um, even if if Ivory's unfairly labeled as a fumbler, the fact that, that they're aware that he has perception. fumbled, yep. uh, they're going to – the other side of the equation that gets overlooked, if you're going against Tyler Gritson, you're not really thinking about getting the ball out. But he's been proven to not be a fumbler, and yet – Here's the fumbler in the game now. It least unfairly maybe identified as the fumbler. And and as you mentioned, that simply means they're alert to try to get the ball out. And no, they're you're trying right. harder mm-hmm. than they would on an average man versus Tyler. It seems silly, but it's true. Uh, yeah. And then beyond Ivory Kelly Martin, uh, Gavin Williams, I have no doubt, is going to play a lot. Mm-hmm. LaShawn, it sounds like, is going to get to play, sounds too. Sounds like he may get some So looks. it's going to be running back by committee. Um, we talked about Gavin in particular. He's been pretty impressive with his ball, 
ball carrying. You know, he's he's uh, a good hard runner. Uh, of course, Ivory's a good hard runner. Nobody has any issues with how Ivory aggressively runs the ball. Uh, the only problem with Ivory has been ball security, and so, uh, and let's face it, if, if if we cough the ball up one way or the other, whether it's a fumble or an interception, we're losing one of our maybe our single biggest advantage going into the game, mm-hmm. and there's the likelihood that we can win big on turnovers. So, Don, finally, because, um, are, are you real confident Iowa's going to win this game? I haven't really given a prediction yet uh, with the game still five today. How confident are you that Iowa's going to come out on top? Well, I, I, to look really closely at all those statistical comparisons is concerning. Uh, and I, I haven't touched on this, but I'll just mention before we close off here, there's seven parameters where one team has a huge edge over the, the other team. Um, seven statistical categories, I'll say. Um, and four of those go to Kentucky, and I'll go ahead and tell you what they are. Three of them belong to us. Two of which actually relate to turnovers. Turnover margin was third. They're 128. That's a huge disparity, of course. Uh, and then I've, I've broken down turnovers gained, turnovers lost in separate categories, because turnovers gained were third in the, in the nation again, with 29 gained on defense. Uh, their defense, meanwhile, has only gained nine. So 29 versus nine. That's third versus 123rd. A huge difference in terms of. Which defense does a better job of getting the ball out? Um, and I, you heard me say before, uh, we're actually not very good at forcing fumbles. We're really good at intercepting passes because we have better than average hands in the secondary. We do a better than average job of getting our hands up and chipping passes, whether it be D linemen do it, doing it, or linebackers doing it. So those are the two big plus areas for us. There is a third one that relates to our ability to intercept passes. And that's pass efficiency defense. We're fourth in the nation. They're 86th. And, and the big disparity there is not because of yards allowed. It's because of interceptions. interceptions yeah. So, and of course, that's one reason our pass defensive efficiency is fourth in the country is because we've intercepted many more passes than most teams. So those are our pluses. So the obvious question, what are Kentucky's decided edge? If they got a decided edge in total offense, we're 123rd. They're ranked 40th. So on average, they outrush, they uh, outgain us, I should say, by about 134 yards a game. That's a big disparity. A they have a big edge on rush offense. Uh, they're 23rd. We're 111th. That's a disparity of about 86 yards a game. They've got a uh, decided edge on Pass efficiency on offense. You heard me talk about that. They're 37th, we're 117th. And last but not least, here's another one that's a concern for us. They got a decided edge on third down conversions. They're fifth in the country on third down conversions. They can work 51% of the time. Jeez. Uh, And the reasons are kind of of obvious. They're not in third and long as as, as often as we are. Uh, They're fifth in the country, we're 109th. Big discrepancy there. So it is critical that we avoid third and long because, um, you know, no no teams are very good on third and long. But as you know, because of our pass protection problems, we're below average on third and long. Uh, and we have too many third and longs because we don't we don't consistently run the ball well on first and second downs. So that's a concern going in. Uh, you know, how can we how can we um, close that down? Statistically, it's hard to imagine we're going to win on critical downs, right? Because they're they're one of the best in the country, and we're below average. 
So those are the areas where I'm especially concerned. Um, and that's why it's so important to win on turnovers. Yep. And there is uh, an unnamed category that I'm not going to talk about. But if we can win that one, you've heard me say already, those three teams that beat Kentucky, they all had this one parameter in common. They all three won it. Uh, and it, it, it does relate to winning the game a lot. Our, our guys know what it is. Uh, I'm not going to tell you because I don't want the rest of the we'll world to We'll just spend know. the rest of the show guessing. But just give me an idea. <laughs> yeah. The team with this particular parameter, um, this parameter was won in 11 out of the 12 games. There's only one tie. The team that won this parameter won 10 of those 11 games. And as you've heard me say already, those three teams that beat Kentucky all won this specific parameter. Otherwise, obviously, Kentucky won the parameter most of the time. Uh, the only exception, South Carolina actually won the parameter and still managed to lose the game. Um, South Carolina, shame on them, you know, because they found ways to lose the game yeah. as we as we discussed. Over I don't the think season. Iowa will do that. As you guys know, one of the yeah, one of the best things we do is we find ways to win games that typically aren't yeah. supposed to be won. Yeah, Iowa rarely uh, beats you know, itself. The, so, so well, yeah, and we didn't do that against Michigan, of course. No, Michigan, no, Michigan just beat Iowa. That. But all we have to do is think back to one game earlier. Uh, I think I mentioned after we played Nebraska, uh, there there were no parameter combinations that were any longer 100% win because of the way we played against Nebraska. Nebraska won some of those key parameters, and yet we still beat them. Yep. Yep. So we're capable of overcoming the odds. We've done that all season, um, and we might have to do it again to beat Kentucky because uh, it's entirely possible they're going to win on some of these parameters that we that we would like to win, and yet we still beat them. Okay. Um, All right. All right. Well, Don, great stuff as usual. We'll do this again next Monday, hopefully. Hopefully a big hopefully, Hawkeye victory. Hopefully a flight home successful on Sunday after the game. Um, um, keep your fingers crossed. But, yeah, hopefully we'll be talking about a Hawkeye victory to kind of close things down for the season. You have a good, safe New Year, Don. Yeah. Thanks. And I'll, I'll be happy at that point to tell you what that magic parameter is. Yes. Right. That matters so much to winning. I can't wait. Uh, you'll, you'll find it interesting, and we'll know at that point, of course, whether we won that parameter or not. And uh, uh, the bottom line, like, like you guys have touched on already, what needs to change from the Michigan game to this game? The fundamental change we need to make, we need to be more aggressive with our play calling because otherwise I think we're going to have a hard time beating Kentucky. Well, let's hope that uh, we have another uh, Iowa versus USC type type of offensive display from the Hawkeyes. And, Coach, uh, we will talk to you one week from today. That sounds good. I will look forward to it. And, um, and let's all have a great weekend. Sounds great. Thanks, Donnie. Yep. Yep, take care. Bye-bye. Okay. Uh, and we're going to take a little break, and we will be right back. From the Hurting and Stalker Studios in the heart of the Hawkeye Nation, this is the mighty 1630 KCJJ Iowa City. Hurting and Stalker Jewelers, making memories, making moments. 1-800-800-ROSE. 1-800-800-ROSE, your FTD florist, is the only number you need to know to send flowers anywhere in the country or Canada from anywhere in the country. 1-800-800-ROSE. It's so easy, just remember one number, 1-800-800-ROSE, your FTD florist. one 800 800 
800 Rose. Remember, just about the time Willa Dickens began as a watchmaker at Hertine and Stocker Jewelers, a romantic notion was blooming in 1940s America. The idea that a diamond, like love itself, is precious and lasting. More than ever before, proposals began including twinkling rings and velvet-lined Hertine and Stocker boxes. Decades of engagements and countless shimmering rings later, happy, nervous hands are still accepting these promises of always from Hertine and Stocker. The designs are always modern and fresh, but the service is still as exceptional as it was in those very early days. Perhaps that rare blend of past and present is the reason Hertine and Stocker has been voted best jewelry store in Iowa City eight years running. Stop and see what's sparkling in those famous windows at Hertine and Stocker Jewelers, corner of Dubuque and Washington in downtown Iowa City. Then step inside and say hi to Willa, Terry, Tim, or Kate. One of them is always there. Mike's Lock and E-Keys for Cars would like to wish you happy holidays and to thank you for your business. May the joy of the season and the warmth of your family be with you this season. Happy holidays from Mike's Lock and E-Keys for Cars. Players Sports Bar and Grill in downtown Iowa City is now open for lunch at 11 a.m., seven days a week. Stop in for big specialty burgers, Tex-Mex tacos, soups, salads, and more. Players Sports Bar and Grill also features gourmet hot dogs, including the famous Iowa Dog, covered in bacon, corn relish, and ranch. Located at 219 Iowa Avenue, Players Sports Bar and Grill has indoor and outdoor seating, plus carryout and delivery through Chomp. Daily deals and the full menu are available online at playersic.com or place an order at 319-800-2199. That's 319-800-2199. Players Sports Bar and Grill, great food, craft cocktails, and the ultimate place to watch your favorite sporting event. From Hawkeye Title and Settlement comes best holiday wishes for a beautiful holiday season and a new year full of peace and happiness. Happy Holidays and Happy New Year from Hawkeye Title and Settlement. It's that wonderful holiday time of the year. Moments of eating too much, spending time with family, and in some cases maybe trying to avoid family. However, you choose to celebrate. The Diamond Dental team of Dr. Forbes, Kate, Michelle, and Crystal would like to wish everyone a happy, healthy, and safe holiday. Here's to hoping you enjoy every minute of this joyous time of the year. Rest assured, Diamond Dental is here providing superior care for your entire family during the holiday season and all year long. Car won't go into gear? Call Premier. Premier Automotive in North Liberty offers full-service mechanical auto repair, in addition to being Eastern Iowa's most trusted name in auto body repair. Use Premier for all your auto repair needs, brakes, oil changes, air conditioning, diagnostics, transmissions, or preventative maintenance. Whether you hit a deer or your car won't go into gear, see Premier Automotive in North Liberty. GT Car, owner of Supel Siding and Remodeling, offers service and quality that is unmatched in the area. At Supel Siding and Remodeling, their trained professionals will install and guarantee the products used in any size job done. Regardless of the project, Supel Siding and Remodeling will stand behind their quality products and installation with exceptional customer service. Whether it's a window replacement, a kitchen remodel, or a house addition, our employees are committed to quality. Visit sales at souples.net or call 337-2246. This is Patrick Eads, owner of Geary Brothers Ford Lincoln, serving Iowa City in the Corridor. 
proud recipient of Ford's President Award for the highest customer satisfaction in both sales and service. Voted Iowa City's Best of the Area for New Car Dealer 2017 through 2019. Voted Iowa City's Best of the Area for Used Car Dealer 2020. Locally owned and operated, we understand the importance of community-minded business. We proudly support youth sports. Deary Brothers Ford Lincoln at the corner of Mormon Trek Boulevard and Highway 1 or online at DearyFord.com. Hi, this is Bill Eichsnering of the Oxyoke Inn. Especially now, all of us need a little comfort. The Oxyoke Inn has been offering comfort for over 80 years. From our signature recipes, quality of food, family-style service, and historical ambiance, a return to the Oxyoke Inn is like a warm hug. Now, serving lunch, dinner, and banquets. Don't forget, you can still order curbside carryout, including our famous pies, and take the comforting taste of the Oxyoke home with you to share at your family's table. Visit oxyokin.com for hours, menus, reservations, weekly specials, and gift cards. From our family to yours, we can't wait to see you again soon. And we'll be glad you're here at the Oxyoke Inn in the heart of Amana. The Oxyoke Inn. Hawkeye men and women's basketball teams return to Carver Hawkeye Arena on January 2nd and 3rd. The women hit the hardwood for a Big Ten battle with Illinois on Sunday, January 2nd. Then the men look to trounce the Terrapins of Maryland on Monday, January 3rd. Plus, you don't want to miss the halftime performances by Christian and Scooby. What better way to start the new year than with some Hawkeye hoops on January 2nd and 3rd? Claim your tickets at HawkeyeSports.com. KCJJ Weather, brought to you by Plum Supply. Plum Supply, kitchens and baths, your home never looks so beautiful. Partly cloudy, becoming mostly sunny today. We'll get to about 44 this afternoon. The wind west gusting to 30 this morning, decreasing to about 5 to 15 here by late this afternoon. Tonight it'll be cloudy, our low down to 28. Tomorrow we'll start with a little snow, maybe some freezing drizzle, and then we'll warm things up. It'll be breezy. 45, wind out of the southeast, gusting to 25 or 30 through the day tomorrow. Wednesday, colder, mostly cloudy, 26. I'm meteorologist Sean Cable. Current temp, 37. Hawkfanatic.com. Before I forget, you want great pizza? Brick and iron. I like great pizza. Honest to God. It was really good? Yeah. We, we what kind did you get? Because they have like three different Sauce, styles. Well, you can get that or you can build your own. We build our own with uh, sausage. And, Where's it located? Uh, and mushroom. It's and in Coralville. They have, But they have three different styles yeah. of pizza. When did they start adding? Not, not sausage or oh, pepperoni. But we got the whatever the thin the, or regular is. Uh-huh. Yeah. When did they start advertising? They they advertised earlier. They haven't. Oh, and you're since. still complimenting them. Look yeah. at you. Yeah. It was damn good. Well, I mean, and we took it home. We couldn't finish it all. It's like a 14-inch. How expensive? We took it. I don't know. Money's no option. Money's no option with you? <laughs> <laughs> we took it home and reheated it in the oven, and it was, it was still great. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. Yeah, we need more. Well, I had, I'll try that the next time. I had time. prime rib for... Uh, for, uh, I had tacos, yeah. steak tacos, yeah. beef tacos. Yeah. We had turkey, cornbread and sausage dressing, salad. That reminds me, I got to get my Cranberry. title back from Mick Fletcher. Potato, had, mashed had, potatoes and gravy. In order to get the That's prime rib, to. I had to put 
I had to put my card down. That's what we used to always have. This, <laughs> this was different. This was different though. Tacos. It was, uh, I and mean, it wasn't just. I mean, we had a huge Mexican spread, and it was, it That's was different. But cool. I just ate way too much. I think I ate like nine tacos, and then I spent God, most. Of, that's a lot. <laughs> I spent most of Christmas Day laying on the couch grimacing, and I didn't even have any appetite on Christmas until about five o'clock. Seriously, I could not. I just. Well, we had the prime rib, and that was. I mean, that was it. We just had a slice of prime ribbon, and Jan made uh, Brussels sprouts uh, roasted. And no baked potatoes? Nope. Nope. It's nope. good. Oh, when is prime rib not good? Yeah. And we still well, got some rare. Left. We oh, got some me. left over. Mine's got to be medium rare, but I don't want the thing mooing. No. You know, as I'm cutting into it. I mean, no. I want it dead, but no. I don't like I, I think there's nothing worse than overdone prime rib. No, that's not good either. Oh, no, it's got to have some pink. No, she made it really. It was, And we're going to have some more of it tonight. Actually, Hy-Vee had a while back, they had these little packets, 11 bucks, a decent-sized slice of prime rib with a, I would prefer to baked potato, but a twice-baked potato. And I uh-huh. warmed it. it wasn't bad. Yeah. I mean, for ele- sure? it, it was not bad. I mean, it was, but, you know, for 11 bucks, something that sh- it should be at least decent. So, But, but that, that conversation with Don actually has me less optimistic about the game uh, now. Me too. And he pointed out a lot of different things. and But, I mean, guys, we know what's probably going to happen. The offense is going to do – you hope that special teams and defense can do enough to offset what is likely going to be, what, a mediocre offense, an average offense? I mean, do well, we have any we reason – Well, if we get an average offense uh, statistically nationally, that'd be great. Do we do we have any reason to believe that Spencer's going to come out and throw for 280, 300? Yeah, absolutely. There's no reason. Do we have any no reason? To, do we have any reason to be overly optimistic they're going to be able to run the ball with or without Tyler Goodson? No. no, no. Hello, hello. I enjoy Don's review of the game, but boy, there's times I get lost in his analysis. You're not. I felt like I was in algebra class at times today. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I I'd like to know what exactly happened in the Maryland men's basketball coaching. I, we don't know. We don't know. I mean, I, I mean, there's speculation, but I, I, I don't know. Nobody knows what went on there. Or what. Well, I haven't. To be honest, I mean, I have not been reading the Baltimore Sun, and I haven't been following it that closely. I can, but I haven't I, seen much on it. But I haven't seen much on uh-uh. it. And obviously, something happened. There was something building, obviously. I mean, or something just happened, some incident that just – completely cross the line because you rarely do replace coaches this time of the year. It just doesn't happen. Well, yeah, that's what I'm wondering. So, yeah, there's obviously something to it. I just have not really given it much thought. Sorry. Don't we play them here in January? I believe so. I think we do, yes. They'll have Danny Manning coaching. I mean, so, you know, I'm not a big Mark Turgeon fan anyway. Did you feel that Don kind of thought we were going to have problems in that game? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway... You guys have a good day. All right, Carl. Thanks, Karen. All right. We'll, we'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. And it sounds like we might have pr- problems getting down there. <laughs> Why? What's going Just, on? There's like 2,000 flights canceled so, today. Oh, today there are? Yes. Yeah. Mine's still hanging in there. DJ Durkin's long wait to return to full-time coaching is over. The former Maryland coach was fired in the aftermath of offensive lineman Jordan McNair's death in the summer of 2018. He's huh? been he's a he's been the coordinator the for who? He was a defensive coordinator for somebody this year. So Why are we looking at him? I don't know because I I just texted Maryland coach fire. Oh no, it's Mark Turgeon is yeah yeah, yeah DJ coach. here it is here it is. Well, it's they put out this damn thing today too. Mark Turgeon fired. Who did the Terps hire next? 
Yeah, he was uh, fired a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. I just haven't really paid much. I'm sure there's narratives out there and stories. I like I said, I don't subscribe to the Baltimore Sun or no, and I just I don't, don't I haven't followed Maryland rivals. I just haven't really paid much attention to it. But obviously something happened, either a build up or some incident to to release him to get rid of him when they did. Why start the season if you're gonna fire him? I haven't even seen any speculation particularly about it. No, I haven't it's either. just like it happened and goodbye. Goodbye. Yeah. It's weird. It's not really yeah, this is the Baltimore Sun. What's it saying? When the coach is a cancer and nobody wants to deal with it anymore, you have to make a move. That's the Baltimore Sun saying that or somebody on Twitter? It's Baltimore Sun. Wow. So that's a no, column? No, I'm not reading Twitter. That's a column? Yeah. Is that a headline that you just read? or No. It's, no, it's like in the middle of the story. Who's, who wrote it? Because I know their beat writer's a, a, young, uh, a young woman who does a really good job. I can't remember her name. I don't know if she's a columnist, though. It doesn't say. So, obviously, yeah, I, I mean, I could see Turgeon rubbing people the wrong way. He's a, I mean, I've never liked him. All he does no. is bitch and moan during games and complain and rag on the officials. and, and so, Sounds like Tom Izzo. Yeah. Difference is Izzo wins. Yeah. And Izzo, does, Izzo is a little bit more inviting and appealing away from the court. Uh, Turgeon's just, I, I, I Why are they rehashing the other coach, though? Well, because... I don't know. Maybe a history well, think about of it. what's going think on. Think about Maryland. Since 2017, they fired their football and basketball coach. That, mm-hmm. I mean, what's the yeah. last time Iowa did that? Hello. Hey, I was just going to talk to you about the Maryland coaching situation. Sure. I What I heard was that he was really upset with how the fans were reacting to his team. And just, just overall, just tired of it. So he said, walked in and said he was done. So blame the fans. And then lose all that money? He quit and gave up all that money? It was, it was just the fans in general. He was the fired. He didn't quit. Critical of his coaching and his team, and he just didn't want to deal with it anymore. He, he was fired. He the did not quit. The problem with that, though, if he did that, he would give up all his money. He'd lose all his buyout and everything. If he, if he leaves, why would he do it that way? He didn't. Yeah, I think you heard it wrong because... Everywhere here says he was fired. He did not quit. Baltimore Sun said he was fired. All right. That's just what I heard. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Right. Yeah. Well, feel free to share your opinion. But to do what that gentleman just explained, he'd give up his rights to any financial package, wouldn't he? If you quit well, yeah. willingly, why would a school, yeah. okay, you're going to quit? Well, we'll still pay you. That doesn't make any no, sense. I'm not paying Hunter if he quits. If you quit because of fan reaction, you know, 90% of the that that's yeah teams would. Yeah, why would you? I mean, why would you quit because of fan? fan? Yeah, you, it, you well, wouldn't. everybody, it, at least what I've read, that said fired. Mm-hmm. Why would you fire a coach? I mean, they're questioning why you fire a but coach. But if he was a cancer like that article suggested, cancer. why did they start the season with him? Well, the, yes, the question is... Why did it go down when it went down? Why couldn't you have fired him in April or May or June or July? Something and that makes sense to me. Something obviously we crossed the line again. Yes. So, but what is it going to take for you to fire me, Suter? I have to do take the board of directors. (laughs) Who's that? You, Jan, and and me. I vote for me to be fired. (laughs) Jan and I say no. Who would replace you? Who would come in in the morning? Um, Lang, just yeah, just eight hours a day of Lang. Every <laughs> Lang, just Lang. 
<laughs> Lengthy oh. Lang. That's what the show. He's on from five to one every day. K L N G. Life with Lang. How about that? Life with Lang. Life with Lang. Yeah. He turns into like the Balbinoff for this station. Turn him on at 5 no, a.m. on. That is long enough for to be the Balbinoff. I will say, when you guys were, I listen, I turned you guys on, What? what when was it? Oh, when you were doing your Hall of Fame thing. That yeah, was, yeah. God, that went on for freaking ever. Tell Two me. hours. Good Lord. And it was flat. But I turned it on four different times when I was driving, yeah. getting, you know, in my bedroom when I woke up, I turned on. Three of the four times when I turned it on, fake Ackerman was just starting to call. <laughs> Well, there yeah. was a lot of self-pleasuring. Yeah, I think we were we were flagged, and so that's why the video is not up. We it usually went on for, save just, the video, but we were flagged for, I think, excessive use of the uh, uh, term masturbation. And oh, why were you guys uh, talking about masturbation? Because that's what the, a lot of the police. Oh, reports. a lot of the police reports were about One people the, masturbating. Yes, oh, a like lot. in public. Yes, yes. I guess it would have to, or they wouldn't get arrested. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Deep state. Yeah, Start breaking woke. into homes and arresting you when you're climbing woke. your pole. Woke. <laughs> yeah, there was I, there was more masturbation this last year than well <laughs> pandemic. I'm pandemic. Sure, that's probably true. Yeah, pandemic. You're right. I didn't think of that. Do you think they were wearing masks as they? As but they, you would think that they would have gone in. You know, I mean, stayed at home and did it. I don't know, but they didn't. So, like, what kind of public? Are we talking like <laughs> restaurant? Where were the? Where were these incidents? Uh, high V or um, drugstores? Could you imagine being sexually aroused at High V? Uh, I mean, the corner of uh, Washington and Burlington or what, whatever. I mean, it, it, all sorts. Fairchild Street. Have you ever thought about uh, masturbating at High V? No, Suter. Not even once. I haven't either. Never crossed my mind. Nor has somebody it. also defecated there. You at High V? Yes. Which yeah. one? Not the one on First Ave. No, the one no. on Waterfront. That one seems to take a beating. <laughs> when did they defecate? Oh, within this past year. Yeah, within the past. How come that didn't get as much publicity as the CVS guy? Because it's been done. It's oh, you're saying the CVS was a pioneer, <laughs> a poopaneer. He was a poopaneer. A leader. A leader. A pooper. <laughs> Trailblazer. <laughs> so okay, so you're saying they're canceling, they're canceling more flights today. Yes, and this yeah. is just an ongoing, and these are flights that were going out today, and they're just being. So I, there's a chance like my flight could get canceled. Well, there's tomorrow, people right? that, that still definitely. haven't got back from, uh, from vacation. I mean, that can't get get. Can't get home. So you think there's almost a fifty percent chance that my five fifteen flight? I would gets say canceled. thirty, 30 to forty five. Yeah, somewhere around there. As long as I know, you know. I mean, well, I mean, the weather's going to be fine tomorrow. The dry, but like I said, I just want to find out. My concern is getting down there and my flight home gets canceled, and then I'm stranded and that there. Could happen too. And then I'm there. I'm already going to be there five nights, but I don't want to be in Florida for ten nights. I mean, that would, well, I don't know that you'll be for ten nights. I remember when we got you stranded might. after the Arizona game in ten. We got stranded in Denver, and it was um, Saturday night. No, it was no, it was Saturday night. Str- no, Sunday morning we were stranded in Denver, and the earliest we could have gotten a flight was Tuesday night. We drove home. We ran in a car and drove home. We but had, Denver's not Miami. We ended up getting, uh, th- that was after Arizona, right? Mm-hmm. We had ours canceled as well. We ended up being able to get a flight up to Minneapolis. That's where we went. And rented a car That's from where we Minneapolis. flew out of on our way down. Yeah. 
But no, we just could not find anything. And I remember Andy Hamilton saying, let's just rent a car. And he drove the entire, I slept all the way through Nebraska, the entire way. It's the best time I've ever had in Nebraska. <laughs> Let me oh. read uh, from CNN. <clears throat> Travel nightmare. Another 2,000 flights canceled Monday. More of more than 2,400 canceled flights, nearly 900 were within, into, or out of the United States. How many, how many are Delta? Delta was getting hit hard around Christmas. Mine's still a go right as of now. I mean, I, I'll get a, a warning if a, or a notification if it's canceled, I believe. United Airlines can't. Delta said it's working to get all stranded travelers home as quickly as possible. But won't that, couldn't that impact my flight? Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. don't they kind of put you on the back? I yes. Mean, yeah. Uh, we apologize to our customers for the delay in their travel plans, Delta said. Tell the people are working hard to get them where they need to be as quickly and safely as possible on the next available flight. My problem is I think I've, although hopefully hotels will work with me if stuff end up getting posted. Oh, well, yeah, they will. Hopefully they will because I think I have till tomorrow to, I've got that hotel for Tuesday night through Saturday night, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. That's five nights. That's almost six we, we have four nights. <laughs> Globally, airlines canceled more than 6,000 flights Christmas Eve, Christmas, and the day after Christmas. More than 1,200 flights were canceled, and more than 5,000 oh, were delayed so how are Sunday. My, so logically, how's my flight ever going to happen if there's that many? Well, you wonder, don't you? If there's that, and if it's just a matter of they just haven't had gotten to the point of canceling my flight yet. A lot of it depends on the flight crews, you know, can they get there? So how determined are you to get there? If your flight gets canceled, are you going to dig up another flight? And by God, you're going to make it to Orlando no matter what? Because I'm not that, you know, I'm, even though it's my job. I mean, there's only so much you can do. I would be probably more likely to try to drive down. God, you, you would actually drive to Orlando to go see a football game? Maybe. Wow. God, I mean, we've already got the rooms. Yeah, I mean, I would do that, but you'd have to pay me $10,000. To drive to twelve percent of jet flu uh, jet blue flights are canceled. Six <clears throat> percent of Delta. How about Southwest? Well, that's not many for Delta. Five percent of United and two percent. Oh, if it's only six. Southwest, Southwest canceled sixty-eight flights or one percent because of weather. Oh, we haven't had any operational issues related to COVID. Okay, well then I'm more optimistic now. That's only six percent. Okay, that's good to know. And the odds are, then my flight will make it. Now the main thing is, will the bowl game make it? No, I drove to Florida one time in my life when I moved there, and it was just hell on earth. We drove to Florida for actually, we just did it this past uh, this past uh, summer. It just was torture. I slept in the near Chattanooga in the Appalachian Mountains at a rest area, and then finally made it down there. And I just remember saying, "I'll never do that." Well, I had to drive back. Actually, we thoroughly enjoyed. But I did it to go live there. I wouldn't yeah, do it yeah. to watch three hours of the Iowa offense. Hello. Pat, what airline are you flying on? Delta. You didn't want to do Allegiant? I didn't book the flight. Uh, I was going to say because I always take Allegiant. I go to Orlando a lot. and uh, I know it's a direct flight. Airlines where they, they don't shut down like that because what's going on is like in the fall, when they said there was bad weather in Denver, it's it was the employees kind of walking off the job. Each airline has to have a person in the tower, mm -hmm. and there's only a handful of them. And if they don't shut up, 
it's a show up it's a disaster but with Allegiant, they have their own airports and towers so mm-hmm. it always very rarely do they get affected but their times are odd i mean they uh, are the, the times are not but, good i could have flown out no, on Allegiant, but, i think for about a thousand bucks directly but like i said i didn't book the flight and the person right. who did book it has does business with Delta. Oh, Allegiant is uh, canceling flights as well because forty uh, percent of the crew members are infected with coronavirus. Forty percent, thirty. Excuse 30? me, thirty yeah. percent infected still... with coronavirus. And and they could be, but I believe maybe it's just employees. So, hmm. kind of walking out. But I I use them a lot. I like. Okay. Yeah, no, I've been told that. I, and, yeah, they're obviously an option. Know. Yep. Yep. Well, hopefully I'll get there. Yep. Okay, thanks. If not, it's 22 hours straight driving. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know. And I will not be doing that. No. I will and not the, be driving by myself waffle, to Orlando to cover a football game. houses in Chattanooga. <laughs> so, yeah. take care, guys. But, no, the, the drive will not happen. I'll cover it from home if I have to. I mean, there's some media members that are staying home, and, I mean, it's an expensive trip. I mean, it's yeah. going to cost a lot of freaking money to cover this game should it happen. And like I said, you can say, oh, it's going to happen. Oh, no, no, nobody knows. Nobody has an no, answer. No, you have no, no idea. Nobody they has could, an answer They could this. go out that morning. It could fact. be canceled the day of the game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Then you know, what would you do, Suter? Drink. Well, I would already be down there. Um, casino? Yeah, I mean, you just party. I don't know. Does Orlando have casinos? I'm sure they do, wouldn't they? I don't know. You can go see the house of Chocolate Thunder, Daryl Dawkins, where he grew up. Maynard Evans High School. Pass. Remember Daryl Dawkins? Sure. Chocolate Thunder. That was his nickname, Captain. Yeah. Anything of that. <laughs> Went straight you, from high you, school to the NBA. What do you want me to think? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But like I said, and I, I know Don, you could sell Don's frustrated with the COVID restrictions. I get where he's coming from. But like I said, I'm not going to. I'm not going to critique and argue against something that's trying to prevent more death that's already had over 800. I mean, you see what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It's a very tough debate to be a part of. I, most of these football players won't get And it does sound like the Omicron is. Was that a Genesis song? No, that's Abacan. Oh, it does sound Abacan. like um, the Omicron is less severe. Not as, from what I've been reading, it's not quite as potent as the Delta variant, but, but it's, it's more way contagious. more contagious. More, and see what I keep saying over and over. All that matters is if you get it or not. It doesn't matter how it affects you. That's right. For these rules to go into effect. And that's where I think some people get frustrated. I think they believe that they should be more case by case stuff. And, and you know, I, but I, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know. Now, you know, Trump's telling people to get the vaccine. And now they're turning on now him. Shannon, what's her name? Up. What's the nut? Candace Owens? Yeah, Candace. She said he's old and outdated yeah, and only senile. reads mainstream media. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Watch, he's a Democrat by six months from now. <laughs> he's got Hillary on his shoulders. He's never been a Republican. <laughs> no. He's given to both parties, as m- most, you know, uh, no, but rich no, people do. No, they're turning on him. <laughs> Not enough, though. Uh, he's still the face of the party. Oh, yeah, he's the face We're, of the, the party. The people right. that are turned on are the far right nutbags, and who cares what they think? But I still think the bulk of the party is still behind him. Right, who else are they going to be behind? Who else is there? No, there isn't anybody now. Oh. I mean, the Florida guys, who a lot of them probably. Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley. Uh... Yeah, I mean, who knows? Hey, stay in, stay in your lane, Sobaroff. Woke. 
<laughs> Somebody, when I, we were leaving, where the hell were we? Somewhere, some restaurant, and walking out, and somebody, hey, hey, Captain, whoa. I get some of those sometimes. Hi, V. I'll get a rigged or locker up you know, yeah. from someone wearing a mask. I know how, half the time I have no idea who it is. Hello. Yeah, hello. Yeah, Suter, you will be bummed. There are no casinos in Orlando. Wow. Why? Yeah. There you go. Why? Yeah, yeah. The closest one, I think. Is probably in Tampa, and that's about ninety miles away. That doesn't make any sense, does it? Well, uh, well, that's, that's must be some kind of reason is. for it. I guess it. they don't need the money. Obviously, Orlando. Disney. Maybe they just figure oh, this is family friendly. This is Disney, Disney territory. Yeah, Disney yeah. That's 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 pretty much what the city fathers think. My daughter lives in Orlando. Do yeah, they have like? Go. Do they have strip joints there? Uh, don't know. Yeah. I'm not asking as I, I'm like planning my trip, but it would be hypocritical to have butt huts and then not have casinos, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be hypocritical to have butt huts and not casinos? What do you think is more offensive, go. Captain? I, a casino or a not, butt hut? I would, not, I would not think they'd have that either. In mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. All right, thanks for the care. info. Thanks, Thank Frankie. you, Mike. What do you find more offensive, Captain? Casinos or butt huts? Uh, butt huts. Never heard it called that. Oh, that flesh factory. I don't like butt huts. Yeah. You've never heard it referred to as a butt uh-uh. hut. Well, oh, well, now you have. Well, I'm not a. I don't go to them. Anymore. I haven't been. I, I never have. I think the last. You've never been to a strip joint. No, I mean our band played. Like there, there were a couple of clubs that had strippers downstairs and a, a band upstairs. And we did that a couple of times. We. I worked at a radio station in Davenport that was right over. Uh, it's called the Mound. <laughs> it was. It, I don't think the, they have strippers anymore. Didn't Misty they, Mounds used to play there? <laughs> no, no. These women would come up. Th- the station was three flights of stairs up, but we had ten cent Coke bottles. It was yeah. an old machine, uh, and they'd come up for that. And they and these women were on their last legs. I mean, uh, last legs of stripping. <laughs> last legs of life. Period. It was, hey, you're not talking about 60, 70 year old strippers. Yeah, I'm talking about 50 and 60. Oh my yeah, they, God. it was not good. And they'd come up to the station and without, and it was not. It, it was, we're not talking Barbara Eden in her 50s either, right? <laughs> no, we're talking, what, what's that uh, gal you like? Rita Shaw. Okay. Rita Shaw. <laughs> Rita Shaw in her 50s? <laughs> Rita Shaw in her 70s. Wow, wow. <laughs> Yeah, that's not good. No, I'll, I mean, I've, I'm not going to lie. I've been to, a, I'm not a, I mean, we've gone to, I've probably gone to most strip joints during bull trips. I mean, because that's, I mean, Tampa, they, our hotel, they were all Mom's Venus. They were all over the place. Yeah. But, no, there know, are quite a few. After a while, they just, it's, they, they just get kind of old. And Vegas you know? has a, just oh, a million of them. I mean, going to Vegas, I, I, you walk down the street, they hand you cards to all of them, you know, I mean. But um, I yeah, did a remote at one, and that was it. And I said I'd never do it again, and I never did. Are you going to go to Disney? No, nor will no I. interest. I went there in 1980 and have not been back. No, nope, no interest whatsoever. We went there. Geez, well, 84 maybe. I was a sophomore in high school. 83. And I just remember it just being massive. Maybe it was later than that because Shane was bigger. Shane was like nine, so. It, had to be later than that. You know, I mean, you wait in line for a ride for an hour. You know, that's just ridiculous. We didn't have longer. That, I mean, we didn't have that bad of a boot. We had fun. I mean, we didn't go on rides. I don't go on rides. What did you do? Just walk around and eat and, you know. Well, it sounds like a hoot. 
They did. They went on some rides. Hey, let's go I to Disney, go not go on rides and just walk I don't around. do rides. Why I don't like rides. I don't like heights. I, I like roller coasters. Do it. I don't like it. I don't like Ferris wheels, especially when they get stuck at top and you have a... No. I remember getting stuck on top as a kid. My brother like would rock Ferris the thing. I don't like Ferris wheels. I Light used to like roller coasters. I don't like things that corkscrew. I don't I like do things those. that are above the ground. I don't like things <laughs> that are way up high and they stay way up high. At least with a roller coaster, you're descending quickly. I love that. But when that Ferris wheel gets stuck on top and you have an idiot friend or brother who's rocking the thing you're in, I don't like that. You know, we were at Worlds of Fun one summer... And I looked at the ski lift thing that they've got. That, yeah, I've been I, there. And I looked at that, and I i don't know. So I, I like said those. To Jan, I said to Jan, that sucker's going to, she said, you want to go on it? Said, no, that damn thing's going to fall. People are going to get killed. Have you been to Wet and Wild and in Florida? Two days later, it ha- that happened. You're like Bonnie Reynolds. Yeah, I was like Bonnie Reynolds. But um, there was a, a water park in Florida that we went to back in high school called Wet and Wild. I remember it being a lot of fun. Big slides. and That's what, what but I was, strippers. Uh, wet, wet, wet and Wild. <laughs> Daisy Dukes. <laughs> Mount Joy. <laughs> You've been to those places, haven't you? No. They're on the. I think they're in. They're east of here, aren't they? I, yeah, I they're know. They're in your where, old stomping grounds. I know where they are, but I didn't go in them. That would be interesting playing your playing your music at a strip joint. You know, you're sitting there right in the middle of a song, and like th- uh, three women just walk by naked. Playing Adele. <laughs> so, oh, I will not be able to do anything Wednesday because, yeah, according fine. to our itinerary. We have a press con. I don't know if it's Eastern time. I'll have to look. It's either at eight thirty our time or nine thirty our time, and it's just gonna. We have both coordinators, and I land at eleven fifteen, and then we have a first press conference the next day at eight thirty. I probably won't get to bed by the time I get my luggage at eleven. Actually, I land at eleven twenty seven. By the time I get my luggage, I probably won't get to the hotel. They'll still have cabs there at eleven thirty, right? Sure. I'm not renting a car. It'll probably be one o'clock before I even get to the hotel. And then it's it's going to be an interesting trip. Like I said, well, I let's just, hope it goes off without just, a hitch yeah, yeah. for all of us. Yeah, that's the big thing is let's just hope. Because people act like, well, the team's there, they're safe. No, that doesn't mean anything. No, no. The team's arriving there means absolutely nothing. To me, it almost ups the risk because they're going to go out in, in Florida. A way, yes. In yeah. Florida where there's anti-vax, anti-mask. They're going to, you know, whoa. they're going to try to shield. Whoa. They're going to try to shield them as much as they can, yeah. but there's only so much you can yeah. do. You know, so well, Florida, the COVID's just—I mean, it's huge right now. How ba- how governor, bad is it in Orlando? Governor. Have you looked? Check Orlando COVID. I'm just kind of curious to see what we're what we're getting into. Because, like I said, I was warned by a buddy of mine who lives down there, saying, "Hey, if you wear your mask, and certain, they may they may mock you and, and whatever." Yeah, too bad. Orlando cases today. Because with Disney, this is I w- 17 hours ago, um, Orange County, uh, 240,000 cases in Orlando. It says in Orange County, how can that be? Orange County, that's isn't that California? Well, there could be an Orange County. Is that in where is Orlando in Orange I mean, County, Florida? Florida has a lot of oranges. Yeah, let me see. But I didn't know. I didn't realize Orlando was in Orange County. Okay, I'm trying to find something current. I'm not finding anything current. Well, nothing, eh? Either way, I mean, it's 
it's just something, like I said, I'm going to keep looking at the alerts on my phone until I actually, I'm going to probably, and I'm going to get up there, probably get up there at what least two hours. What county is Orlando it is? It in, I have no I idea. I have no idea. I have no idea. Google will tell you. I know some of the counties around Tampa because I've been there 20 times, but I don't know Orlando's county. How about Tony Orlando and Don? Jeez. Were you fans of them? No. Is in no, sir. What? You were not a fan of them? No. Captain, were you? Orlando is in Orange County. Okay, then that's, you already read it. So a quarter million. Quarter of a million people in Orange County yes. have freaking COVID. Yes. God, it's ridiculous. And the Iowa players and the Kentucky players are going to go out amongst those people starting today. And they've had 62,347 deaths as of yesterday. Orlando has or just Orange County? Orange County. Orange County. That's a lot. Thank God I've got my booster and I don't care wow. if that offends anybody. I've got my booster and I'm proud of it. And That's 15% of the entire deaths in the, right? That's a pretty high number. I w- well, I wouldn't be going. No, 5%. If, I wouldn't be going if I didn't have my booster. Oh, oh there's no. There's no way I'd no, be going. No, I wouldn't go anywhere. Listen, wouldn't go anywhere if I didn't have a booster. And if that offends some people, tough. tough. I don't care. You know, I don't, it's, it's not science political. It's versus uh, booga booga. I mean, you know. for, I mean, think we're at a place where some people believe Candace Owens more than Fauci. I mean, think about that. Yeah, I mean that's just uh, this, you know. And who in the hell is Candace Owens? And she didn't have the guts to stand up to Trump during the interview. Yeah. She waits until it's over. He yeah. leaves, and then she starts then she, ripping it. Yeah, coward. You know, I mean, well, I'll his him... age. Well, okay, his age, Biden's age. What is it? It's both of. Them. It's both of their. They're both <laughs> yeah, old. They're old. Yes. Yeah. You know, but I mean, we knew that before we go into the voting booth. But if she had any guts, she would have challenged him on it, but she didn't. She just bowed at his feet. And in fairness, I listened to the interview, part of it. He was doing this all to praise himself. Well, he always does. Everything he does is about himself, but at least he still said it. But if he would have praised himself earlier, think of all the people that still be alive. Yes, I agree. No, I agree. And then he wouldn't be dealing with this now. And this narrative, okay, I guess I am getting a little political here. That's tough. This narrative that Biden's not doing enough to... Beat COVID makes no sense when it's his opposition that's not getting vaxxed, that's keeping COVID here. They want to keep it here to own the libs and own Biden. Yeah. But then you can't do that and then criticize him for not fixing what you're causing. That's what drives me crazy. The thing that drives me nuts is, you know, it's like they're questioning him on, well, we should have had more tests and we should, you know, we don't know what, let's face it, science is going day by day with this crap. Too. Yeah, it changes daily. Yeah, because we haven't had this before. We the only thing we've had before is we know how to deal with coronavirus. Okay, we did not just come up with a magical serum. And maybe no, he did screw up, but that still doesn't change the argument about not wanting to get vaxxed in order yeah. to own the opposition. That yeah. makes no sense. I mean, just get the goddamn get the thing. But I think some don't want to do shot. it because they think it will be perceived as a Democratic victory. That's well, and that's what's unfortunate. Well, about this. then they're putting themselves at risk. Yeah. Oh, and others. And others. I keep being told, oh, it's. I mean, I know three people that personally that died of COVID, and two of them were were younger than sixty. Well, Mark Rowland died of COVID. Fifty three, and, and you know, he was fifty three. Yeah, 52. and they told him, you know, his family told him get the damn shot, but he, you know, it just a waste of life. It just is 
absolutely freaking ridiculous if you think that you're going to base this on party affiliation when it's a goddamn disease, when we cured polio and we cured, uh, you know, all these diphtheria and whooping, you know, and for you not, you know, it's stupid. Like, I'm not going to have my kid get that vaccine. Well, he gets every other vaccine. You haven't looked up the ingredients of any any other vaccine, and you wouldn't know it if you did. No. You're not not qualified to do, I'm going to do my own research. You're not qualified to do your own research. A lot of you aren't even qualified to go to the voter booth because you don't get it. And yet it impacts all of us. Yeah. And you can say, well, it's none of your business what I do. Well, it is yeah. when what you when do leads to me. things when leads yeah. things being canceled, people getting sick. It's no, just, this is just, just the so most moronic. You know, it is. It's more moronic than. We're year two into this crap. Yeah. yeah. Going into year three. We're going into year three. We were almost done with year two. Yeah. And, yeah, all- and over 800,000 people are dead. And how do you explain that? And how do you say it isn't anything? And major sporting and, events uh, getting canceled uh, yeah, left LeBron, and right? LeBron James is equating it. When the hell is he equating it with the flu? He says some stupid things. Yeah. And he just did this uh, yesterday. Well, then now the people that hate him probably love him for yeah. that thing because, mm-hmm. you know, but I don't really need, uh, I mean, LeBron James is a great athlete, don't get me, but right. I don't need LeBron James to tell yeah. me how to think. No. I don't need actors and stars, Hollywood stars. I couldn't care less. What See, he, I've uh, never been that way. Uh, you know, why would uh, a star say, you know, you should do this? Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I don't need a Hollywood no. star or a celebrity to tell me how to think. You should buy this, Pat. <sighs> ridiculous it, it doesn't make any sense to me. it makes no sense uh-uh. and the fact that we're sitting here five days before iowa's game worried about whether it's going to be played or not for one reason what's that covid yeah, yeah. that's it that's it not the weather not covid we're worried about it and um I, like i said i think it's more than likely going to happen but i wouldn't be surprised if i'm in here doing the show wednesday because my flight's canceled or whatever who knows i mean we'll see this thing is is so fluid and it it, it it's like it like every half an hour, something happens. I mean, these these um, cancellations of these bowl games, boom, there's hardly any warning. They just, all of a sudden, they're just gone. Mm-hmm. No, that's right. I mean, they're just gone. I mean, and maybe the people tracking the story had more notice, but some of these cancellations, you didn't hear anything about them until the notice came out that they were, games were done, not being played. And Yeah, this is just stupid. They did show a lot of the Iowa players getting onto the plane, and most of them were wearing masks on the video that Iowa. I thought it was funny that, that you know, like media members were tweeting that they could confirm that the Iowa team had arrived in Florida, like it was breaking news. And then meanwhile, Iowa's Twitter account had a video of the team arriving in Florida. <laughs> I don't know if they didn't see it. It's just kind of weird. I, I noticed several tweets from media members who were down there saying, hey, I can confirm that the team did arrive safely in Florida. And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, I saw the video. They had yeah, a two minutes. Uh, it's just, it was weird. I didn't, if they just weren't aware. Everybody's of, trying to be first. Yes, or everybody's trying to say, hey, don't look yeah. at that. Look at me. Yeah. Look at me. And the, pro- the problem with a lot of that is, uh, is your internet connections, too. True. Do you have the fastest? Because the guy with the fastest internet connections is going to be the maybe the guy with the slowest, but who is first. Well, what I don't understand is why not just, I just retweeted the Iowa football Twitter account of the video of the team. Yeah. Around. Why not just retweet that as opposed to ignoring that? Because the just, spotlight isn't on you. And that's, that's it. 
The spotlight, Twitter has just made it to where everybody is obsessed with having the spotlight on them. And that's one of the things that drives me nuts about it. It's all about attention. Doing whatever I can to get attention. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. Some people are more concerned about getting attention on Twitter than produce. I mean, it's just... It's just well, that's why we had... That's why the video got flagged, because of the masturbations. People were trying to get trying to get attention by masturbating in public. I bet it goes beyond that, too. I think there... <laughs> I don't think it was just attention. I think there's I think. more. I think there's more involved to propel somebody to. Oh, you think? To masturbate in public? Huh? So you think there might be some mental issues, Pat? There could be some security issues. There may be some, some maybe some misdiagnosis, maybe some medication issues. I don't know what I'd do. What would you do if you were at Hy-Vee and some guy next to you just starts climbing his pole? What would you I would be concerned. Would you say something to him or walk away? When I first I came say to something. I, yeah. Yeah, knock it off. <laughs> Put that thing away. <laughs> when I first came here 20-some years, 28 years ago or whatever, the you know the guy, the blind guy? Yeah. Tap, tap. Yeah. <laughs> Have you heard of Tap Tap? Mm-mm, tap I'm, I'm hearing about him right gonna. now. He's a blind guy, and I'm driving down uh, Muscatine. Better you than him. And it was the Miller Mart then, uh, opposite the uh, street from the High V. Miller, Miller Mart, Mart, yeah. Mart, that <laughs> yeah. one. And uh, he's on the corner right in front just going at it. Yeah. On the, and I went in, and that's the first time I met Jenny Miller. Uh-huh. And I said, well, what? And he was operating strictly by feel, right? <laughs> yeah. I said, are you going to call the police? She said, no, no he does that all the time. <laughs> she, nobody cared. Where was he doing this? Uh, on the corner of, of Hy-Vee. On the, Across uh, from the uh, Towncrest uh, Pharmacy yeah. in there. Yeah. How do you not care? I mean, if the guy follows through with the act. I, I mean, that's, oh, he was following through. How do you not act. care? I mean, there's I, some. I don't know. There's some. I said to her, "Are you gonna call the police?" She goes, "I does that all the time, <laughs> like that." Brushed it off. <laughs> I thought I kind of like her. <laughs> well, I like me some Jenny Miller. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> so, is the warm weather in tomorrow? Is tomorrow? Uh, do we have a? Because it's going to be forty-five tw- tomorrow. Twenty-six. It'll on... start off uh, snowing. And changed terrain. What's it look like next Sunday? And the snow turned into rain. What's it look like next Sunday? Uh, upper teens. But no precip? No. Okay. At least. Yeah, cold weather does not. Actually, I've read where planes actually fly as good or better in cold weather. And you know what was, um, I couldn't figure this out. It's a wonderful, you know the E network? Yeah. It had It's a Wonderful Life on all day, yeah. Christmas Day. Why the E network? It's owned by NBC. Comcast. They literally had it was on from like four in the morning till like midnight. Yeah, it's on. All they the they had it's a wonderful life like back to back like eight straight. I watched a couple. I'd times. watch that before I'd watch uh, a Christmas Story. Oh, I'm, if I was ranking my three best Christmas movies, it would be It's a Wonderful Life, Prancer, and The Polar Express. Those would be my three favorite Christmas movies. Die Hard, Die Hard Two, and uh, Lethal Weapon. Uh, the one at Christmas. What would yours be? <laughs> oh, gosh. It's a Wonderful Life. Um, you guys probably haven't seen Prancer, have you? No. It's a really good movie. 1989, Sam Elliott. Uh, probably uh, uh, Alistair Sims. Uh, 
Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol. I hadn't watched the. Have you ever seen the Polar Express? Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't. I I actually it. enjoyed it. Yeah, I, that's I, a cute. Little, I actually well, enjoyed it. I, like I found it? myself watching it from start didn't to finish. Like it. Which I can't. I mean, I didn't like Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. It bored me. I liked Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. I liked it, it but I mean, me. I've seen you know how many times. Uh, Rants, I can't make it. But it's, it's one it's, of my favorites. It's a Wonderful Life to me, though, is in kind yeah. of a class by itself. Yeah. Got to think it came out seventy five years ago this year. Yeah. 75 years ago. I don't ago know what was so wonderful about the life. Well, he made people I, around him better. He saw yeah, Georgie Bailey. Money. They stole his money. And they Potter got away did. with it. And he got away yeah, with Potter it. Yeah, Potter. But not on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> no, that was the greatest. That was skit. one of the greatest skits ever. They just went over there and knocked the hell out of him, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, started yeah. kicking him. Didn't they beat him, knock him out yeah. of the wheelchair? Oh, knock yeah. Him out they of the wheelchair. beat the hell out of him. <laughs> they didn't kill him, though, right? <laughs> no. No, but they beat the hell out of him. Then they got their money back, right? Started kicking him. Didn't they get their money back? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Potter was trash. <laughs> that was one of the greatest skits. You know, it's weird, though. You see that movie, and you think, wow, that looks like perfect Christmas, you know, like in New York. Or yeah. The, and it's like two blocks of Hollywood. They made yeah. that. They shot that entire movie. There's a magazine at High V, actually. The making of it. It's one fake of fake snow. Fake snow. It literally yeah. was like two or three blocks of Hollywood, Bedford Falls, yeah. which is kind of crazy when you think about it. So, But no, I mean, I just was found it weird that E... The E True Network was well, the one it's that, owned by Comcast, so NBC. Because I remember there was a while when it was on the USA Network. Yeah. Then there was a while when it was only on NBC. Well, I think it was on NBC too, and I think it was on USA. There's one I have never seen and need to is uh, Christmas Vacation. Yeah, that's Chevy Chase. Yeah. yeah, never seen it. I yeah. made it through like ten it's minutes. Okay. Of it. stupid. It's not as good as the original. No, and the original one is Randy Quaid's good in that. But the original Christmas Vacation? No, the original, the original vacation. vacation. But the ori- but he's stranger now in Beverly, real life. He, who's stranger, Randy Quaid now naked. or Uncle Eddie? Uh, he's stranger now. Quaid. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, but Beverly D'Angelo was naked in the, the first one. To us, it wasn't Christy Brinkley in that too. Yeah, I've never been a huge Chevy Chase fan. I yeah. just never really have. No, he is. Me either. He was in Steely Dan for a while. He was he, their original drummer. He's uh, before just, they were Steely Dan. He's mean. I've heard that. I mean, I've just never found him to be that. He was okay on Saturday Night Live. I mean, it wasn't my favorite or anything, but he, he was okay. But he's, He was okay. He's mean. Okay, here's a movie I think you guys should watch. It's not White Boy Rick. Have either one of you guys seen The Water Horse? No. You guys would love Captain, that'd be a good movie for you to watch with your grandkids. Hunter, have you seen it? The Water Horse. It's a great movie. It's a, it's a make-believe story about... A boy who raises the Loch Ness monster from an egg, and it's don't. I mean, it's a really, really good yeah. movie. I mean, I watched it again on Christmas. It's it's one of my all-time favorite movies, and I'm pretty hard to please. Give it a try. It's I an interesting premise. You, I guarantee you, and it takes place during World War II, and it's just a really cool movie the way it it happens. Did and you see the fossil of the, that they found of the? They found a fossil of a dinosaur. It's like. Oh, I thought you were going to say the Loch Ness Monster, which I do not believe in. No. I think there may have maybe been something like a big eel or something. that maybe, But I don't think there's a... But this thing, it's a really... Remember, the Water Horse. It came out in 2007. I think you and Ann would enjoy it. I could Well, be it's an interesting premise. It I is a very interesting premise, and it works. It's great acting, great special effects. And, it, and it's basically, it's about a kid who's orphaned because his dad went off to fight for the British in World War II. The kid's not aware, though, that his father's 
dead because the mother's not telling them, and they're watching this big castle. She's the kind of the yeah. head matron at this big, huge castle right off the lock. And this kid, I mean, it's it's it is. It's a really it's a really neat movie. You gotta and, go. And I think you guys should both watch it and have a report when I get back. Okay. Uh, Thanks to Donnie Patterson, HawkFanatic.com. Check it out. It's free.